it has never been a better time than right now to support duckfeed.tv on patreon.com. Um, at $5, you get so much stuff. Next episode, we're going to be talking about Stalker. Uh, public feed will get the kind of preview episode. Patrons will get the entire episode. You can also get last month's Bioshock Infinite episode, which is four hours long. Um, and I don't say this to brag, but many people have said it is some of our best work. And I agree. I think we did a great job on that episode. Um, you get bonus episodes of Abject Suffering. For people who like FromSoft, you will get a Bonfire Side Chat. And Sekiro is coming out very soon. So you're going to want to jump in on that. Also, because of the generosity of our patrons, we have made the stretch goal for Unfilmable, our miniseries show, so two seasons, talking about Lovecraft as it is adapted to video and film. Um, that first episode will be coming out soon. Watch your uh, watch your feeds. That will be for $5 patrons. So just tons of value. There's even more value at $10, uh, where you get even more bonus shows. Um, we really do appreciate all the support and we want people to feel good about it and we want to make sure people feel like they're getting their money's worth. Um, so head on over to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and check out what we have on offer. Final thing I want to say, and I know this is kind of a long preamble and I apologize, but uh, the final thing I want to say is we kind of stumble upon it during the episode. Frostpunk definitely works best if you are going in blind. Um, there are narrative and emotional swerves in this game that are unusual and uncommon to strategy games. And, uh, we both recommend you play it. Cole, uh, is so horny for it. Something he can't stop saying, even after I tell him it's kind of gross that he keeps saying horny, he will not stop saying it. Um, and I loved it quite a bit myself. Um, so we recommend you play it and we recommend you do so before, uh, listening to the episode or if you decide you're not going to play it, go ahead and listen and experience vicariously. But if you think you might play Frostpunk, it is best to do so before listening. Thanks. This is Gary Butterfield. This is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are talking about Frostpunk, which is a management sim developed and published by 11-Bit Studio for the PC in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not particularly punk. No, it's a bad name for this video game, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, yeah, it's not great. It's not very descriptive. Yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not really, Death I mean, March. there is Steam, Steam technology here, but there is no punk about it. There's uh those mechs look particularly steampunky, yeah. But there's no. no there's no sense of colonial fun, right? Right. Going on. There's no Rudyard Kipling oppression, right? Like the, you know, that, I, that I want because fuck that guy. The, um, <laughs> I actually don't know enough about that. Stay st- st- sticking it to Kipling. Yeah, Kipling can. Yeah, yeah. Eat a whole bag of dicks. The um, so the uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's not a very good name for it. Um, and I wonder if that impacted uh. You know, that's, it's getting ahead of ourselves. I wonder if that impacted 
kind of the reception of it. Yeah. Or uh, how many people have played this or people who are being turned off of it because they don't know exactly what it is. Yeah. The game um, is not descriptive. It is absolutely not. Um, so this is a follow-up to this War of Mine. Um, as in, you know, it's not related to that, but, you know, the same studio um, mm-hmm. shares a lot of the, uh, you know, kind of desperation themes, which is why it's part of Desperation Month. Again, continuing one of these remaining theme months uh, sponsored by Michael Benavidez. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, in this game, you play as the captain or a captain um, who is leading a small band of workers, engineers to create a settlement in a frozen po- post-apocalyptic world uh, of 1886. Again, there's the steampunk angle. Yes, this is um, kind of an alternate history where, well, really a bunch of stuff went wrong. It is purposefully ambiguous about mm-hmm. exactly why the world is freezing, whether it's volcanic winter, whether it's the sun um, dimming, or whether it's there's, there's uh, a chemical weapon, events. Yeah, uh, kind of story. There's a hint about a weapon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that possibly did it. The story stuff in this is hard. It's like all interesting and well written, but. Mm-hmm. It's not something where you want you pour over it to get a complete picture. Yeah, it, this event. this is not necessarily story forward. This is yes. entirely about mood. Um, it's like it's it's like mood, and then like systems forward and micro story moments rather than narrative moments. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very forward. dramatic turn. Mm-hmm. Like system, you know, systems forward as it supports dramatic turns, mm-hmm. as opposed to systems forward as it supports a specific narrative. Yes. Um, it's as, it's like the same narrative that happens in like XCOM yeah, or something where it's the narrative of you and your story mm-hmm. through systems, Yeah, you know, that kind of emergent emergent play. But it just it's the uh, that steampunk thing comes through and it being simultaneously less and more futuristic, mm-hmm. you know, than, than, than it would be like this stuff doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, um, we don't have that. They, they didn't have city sized robots or yeah. you know, building sized robots at the very least. Yeah. Teach the controversy. Um, <laughs> in this world, so the, the, it's it's mega winter, mm-hmm. and that's all you really need to know is it's extremely cold. Mm-hmm. And uh, the British created these generator installations in the north to kind of provide heat and power for these settlements. And you stumble across one, and you start building a little town. Mm-hmm. And th- that's the game. Like this is kind of our. Uh, we've done SimCity, but this is like the genre of this. Mm-hmm. This kind of simulation survival strategy um city builder mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah um it's pretty hard to pin down i'm way into it though um mm-hmm. i've played an embarrassing number of hours of this above and beyond what was required for the show it's um, really good it scratches an itch for me like this is a kind of game like prison architect or rim world where like there is a reason why i don't play very much of them because when i do i play too much of them mm-hmm. so it's very compulsive yes um like i good or i was just gonna say like i don't share that specific um weakness mm-hmm. or addiction or defect of character yeah yeah no just, just general shortcoming I, i'm not a complete human is the problem yeah 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 whatever missing chromosome you have that, <laughs> that leads to this like no matter how much your parents were cousins <laughs> I to, uh, no no i i just don't i i get in and get out on these games mm-hmm. like i i play them for for a reason all the time get what they're about really enjoy it what i was thinking about because i know uh uh, in a green room talk is that cole has used the phrase horny to talk um about this game like 70 times (laughs) about this (laughs) and i understand like i i take a little bit of uh you know a little bit of the the blame for using horny as an (laughs) all-purpose plot term yeah but like just like you know you know just like real like horny to talk horny to talk horny to talk horny to talk (laughs) 
And it's a, uh, and I just don't want to come off as not horny to talk about it. Right. Nor do I want to come off as non horny for it. I'm just not thirsty in comparison. Right. So it's, I, I, I like this game a lot. I, I liked it quite a bit. I think it's super, super good. Yeah. I just didn't, didn't go quite as deep. So I don't want to ever come off as if I'm like, faint praising it or if it's a thing where like you love it and i'm like eh. yeah yeah no no this is this is like the difference between like an a minus and an a plus like yeah. i think this is excellent yeah. like it's super super good yep that is a well stipulated thank you yeah. you're welcome <laughs> yeah horny <laughs> to stipulate <laughs> <laughs> oh man um yeah i did i did all the scenarios several times i've actually i've actually gone into the right like the the, the main scenario and like started working up the difficulty levels too mm. that's not something that's i ever do yeah yeah that's and and that's you know one of those things that just kind of comes with and we'll talk about this when we get to kind of the end of the generalities but mm -hmm. that is something that i i think uh is very very common to this genre but also is something that doesn't work in total harmony with the themes no in a way that like i think is kind of a, a minor knit like it's not a big deal mm -hmm. but it's interesting how that plays out we'll get to that when we talk a little bit get a little bit further yes and like yeah. kind of how that foreknowledge affects what it's trying to say and do to you right you know yeah aside from that the play and story and themes are really well integrated i think oh totally yeah. like it, it is the it is a game i think that like um, and this is again jumping jumping ahead to a summation, but an interesting comparison I just thought of in my head is it's like the first time you play this, it's a little bit like Pandemic Legacy, mm -hmm. and then it becomes Pandemic. Okay, after that. Yeah. like you can, you can still play it as a game. The first time it's going to have these tricks and these surprises for you that are designed to make you feel a certain way, mm -hmm. and then once you know all of those are coming, it just becomes kind of a strategy game. Yes, like you, it, the the things that become kind of gut punches or left turns become just additional rules almost right the things you have to brace for uh, um, or additional constraints that it is putting yeah. on you so so you know about those things mm -hmm. and then it, it still kind of functions so it's very interesting that the first time you play any of these scenarios if you go into them blind it's going to be so appreciably different oh yeah than every subsequent time in every way yeah. like not just in terms of narrative and the surprises uh, that you have but also in terms of your focus like you know when you're not on the bat backflip when you're not being surprised mm -hmm. this game loses a lot of that narrative edge but still functions as like a more common but nonetheless like excellently done city builder simulation game yeah there's a drastic difference between when you are looking at the texture of this and when you are looking at the wireframe yes yeah yep um, and I know this is this is getting ahead a little bit. Like to, as a disclosure, I'm a little bit sick, so I'm scatterbrained. <laughs> That's fine. So we'll get back to the basics here uh, yeah. in just a moment. But I just just had that thought. That's, that's, um, that's why we got the outline to cling to, buddy. We're good. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> We're among friends here. Um, so you're building your city. Um, you have four main resources uh, that you kind of started out with that you are dealing with, or five main resources rather. Yes. Um, your population. Mm -hmm. uh, coal, which you use Hi. to. Uh, yeah, yep, you get uh, you get this uh, this coal engine. <laughs> the, <laughs> no, don't trouble me. So speaking of steampunk, like the, the version of you with a monocle and a fucking gear glued to your forehead, <laughs> the, <laughs> like, a, like like a metal man. Yeah. The, uh, so uh, the coal which you use to heat mm -hmm. uh, your your town, obviously that's very important. Yeah. Um, food, which you eat, wood, uh, which you use to build. Mm -hmm. wood and steel both of which you use to build with yeah and then steam cores which are interesting like they are rare and you can't make them 
and they are used for high-level um, projects. Yes, either advanced structures or to fund automata. Um, it's mm -hmm. almost like you have a certain number of slots um, for these advanced things, so you have to yep. figure out where they're going to go. Um, so yeah, wooden steel, they're self-explanatory, right? Like wood is really common. It's your first tier, uh, building resource steel is your second tier, uh, building resource. Um, mm -hmm. and food is pretty much what you would expect, right? You got to send people out to hunt, um, or set up grow houses. Um, and you've got to cook the food too, because there yeah. is a difference between, um, uh, raw food and cooked food in terms of storage efficiency and, like basically cash flow with it almost. Um, yeah, and you want to make good. You turn food into rations. Yes. So there's a little bit subsystem in food that's yeah. important and that you have like little decisions about, which we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and if your people start starving, well, uh, they'll start eating raw food and getting sick, or it will open up the ability to pass a law for quote, alternative food sources, which yes. is where you start cooking up corpses. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, yep, which we, we will definitely talk about that. Yeah. Um, later, we'll talk about laws later, too, because that's one of the most, like, I think that's, like, the big innovation. That's the core, of this yeah. Game, like, that's the that's the real, like, a, a gameplay hook, mm -hmm. like, a pretty significant gameplay hook and plays into those narrative swerves. Yes. Um, Steam cores, which we talked about, we talked about how you couldn't get them. Um, the way you get them is through exploring, which is its own kind of little engine, yeah. which we'll talk about later. But, um, you know, we said that you can't make them and you're, you're limited in the number you get. Um, you can still get more. You just have to find them. Yes. Um, and that is a way that they, I, th I think, almost um, like rate limit how fast you can expand or, you know, rate li limit your economy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, coal's a lifeblood, right? Yep. Um, it powers your generator. And the generator is both the metaphorical and literal center of your town. Like everything mm -hmm. faces it. Um, and the city grows kind of in concentric circles around it. Um, and you want to make sure that you have a way to get a lot of coal. Um, and keep it coming fast and furious because your cash flow and also your reserves determine how long you can run your generator and at what strength and what range you're going to be managing that quite a bit as the temperature rises and falls. Um, yes. and sometimes you will end up putting your generator into overdrive or risking your population. There is no, uh, just to, just to clarify, there's no cash or anything. When yes. we say cash flow, it's your coal flow. Like yes. the, your, your in your intake versus your outtake yes. of these if resources. I, if I said coal flow, people would joke about me being a rapper, which is it's patently true. absurd. L low coal. <laughs> the, uh, low, low coal. Uh, yeah, low coal. Low coal engine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So it is, uh, uh, and this is the thing actually like on my first kind of canonical games where, where I, did poorly, mm -hmm. which I consider the canonical experience of this. Like we'll right. talk about that later again, how that uh, interacts. Um, this is what fucked me. Yes. Because you need more than you think. Like mm -hmm. it is a thing where uh, the game does a swerve about not being kind of about saving up for a rainy day mm -hmm. uh, when it is in fact about saving up for a rainy day. Yes. Um, so, I mean, coal, like you're going to be burning it constantly. Additionally, like the improvements that you make to your generator, each one of those, both in power and range doubles your coal consumption. So yes. like, you know, as it gets colder, you may think, oh, having 500 coal in the bank, I'm sitting pretty, you upgrade your generator and you have to use it to keep your people from being sick. Uh, that becomes nothing. Um, I don't know what the word for that, like exponential that that flavor of exponential growth is, but it mm -hmm. just keeps doubling on top of itself. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're going to be riding those sliders a lot. Yes. 
you know, as we talk about, we'll talk about the specifics of that. You mentioned something about how the town grows radially, radially out from the generator. This mm-hmm. is a visually uh, interesting mm-hmm. kind of presentation. Like your town is a circle. Yes. Um, that moves out and it is visually super cool and makes sense for a radius of heat mm-hmm. that comes out. It does, I think, make eyeballing some of the measurements or distances between things yes difficult and reading a building at a distance is impossible for yeah, me yeah i have to hover over everything to see what it is i mm-hmm. think that's a kind of a downside of this like it's not again there it's a minor nit but it's How something that dare you well it, i just mean in terms <laughs> so of like no, things I... that because i want people to play this ultimately yeah. <laughs> and it's stuff that i wish i knew right, right so like just know oh like the same way you know how a building just has a very different profile in starcraft yeah, like you can recognize this. Not the case in Frostpunk. No, Everything no. looks the same. Yeah, there, 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 um, there's a certain amount of just kind of like visual filigree on the base structure, and then as the game goes on, it's going to be covered with snow a lot of the time. Yeah, so you snow do, and any... other buildings are going to be in the way because of the different like angles you can look at things. Yes, yeah. Um, there's another thing there that we should probably lay out, which is all the stuff that we're talking about here is not really that well explored. Um, in terms of tutorialization, there is like a tutorial menu that briefly explains some new mechanics uh Mm -hmm. the game does not go out of its way to teach you so a lot of i mean your first run is guaranteed to fail both because of those twists that we talked about before but additionally like you're just going to make a bunch of very bad decisions because the game does not necessarily uh point out either its basic functions or some of the midterm ramifications of some things you might pursue right yeah which is which is literally like a mixed bag. Yeah. Like the midterm ramification stuff, that's part of the theming. Like you have to learn that you're going to the blind. But the fact that the game doesn't tell you how to like assign units. Yeah. Like initially is a problem. Mm-hmm. Like this this is one of for a game of this kind of like pedigree and and you know these people are not slouches. Like this war of mine was a big indie darling. Mm-hmm. Um the production values in this game are actually rather high. Like this is a good-looking, good-sounding game. Mm-hmm. Um the tutorial is pretty shockingly bad. <laughs> right. um, I did one of the other, we'll talk about the different scenarios. There's kind of a basic one. And then there are these side ones that are really interestingly, like emphasize different systems. I did one of them last night and uh, I could not tell you how frustrated I got trying to figure out how to send aid to the other city. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that, is that is a failure yeah. of interface. The likes of which I've never <laughs> seen. Yeah. Like it is just amazingly like, how did this, how did this happen? You know, yeah. and it, it's not a death knell, but it's just very surprising. Right. Right. You know, and and then I, so when I eventually got fed up enough to Google it, mm-hmm. um, it auto completed and then everyone was complaining about yes. it. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, boy, like, yeah. Did you test guys. that? <laughs> yeah. Did you test this? Fix it. Like yeah. this is. Everyone has a problem with it. Why would you leave this here? Because it's going to like impact good. the impression. I mean, yeah, have. and it's it's gonna. I mean, it's gonna like derail somebody's late game. And if they haven't saved recently, well, fuck, you yeah. just lost that whole scenario. Yep, and that's you know, and as we'll talk about, like for a game you're designed to lose, this game iterates on a longer loop than is common. Mm-hmm. You know, and possibly advised. Yeah, like it is. You know, losing a game of Frostpunk is something where like. That's not, you know, it's not Binding of Isaac. Like, you're not 40 minutes in. Yeah, you're no, like you're... seven hours in, you know, six hours in. Yes. When you lose, depending on how how slow you've been playing. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. The, um, so we, as we, we mentioned Cole, we talked about that radial city and how that kind of uh, affects, like, layout and how confusing this can be. Yeah, yeah. Um, The populace is probably your most complicated resource. Yes. 
Um, so this is similar a little bit to Dwarf Fortress or Prison Architect, any of those. You're not actually, like, allocating individual people. Like, you're not, you know, selecting your uh, whatever you're building, the SCVs in StarCraft and saying, hey, you go build this. You have different kinds of workers. They are either employed or not employed currently. And you say, okay, I want this to be built. And if they're available to build, they will like run and build it. Or you say, I need this many people to staff this, the, the, this, this building. And they will work in that building for the, you know, for, for the working hours that are set out. Yeah. And you do that through the buildings. Yes. So you never control an individual human. Right. Like you only control buildings. So you click a building, you, you assign workers there. That way you build a building and you just trust them to build it when they get a chance. Yes. You can't make a worker concentrate on a building, no. uh, which is frustrating. Like, I wish that you had that feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what ends so up what happening is, like, right. you, you're you not going to be running with a lot of people who are, you know, uh, unemployed. So when you set a building to build, they will only start, like, making it after work hours are over. Yeah. During free time in which they do construction. Yes. <laughs> It is it is a miserable life, which is again plays into the theming. <laughs> exactly. Um, there are there are essentially I mean there are three three to four, depending on how you're feeling about it, types yeah, of citizens yeah. um, with automatons being one of them. Yeah. We talked about them a little bit. Um that's one of the uses for Steam cores. Mm-hmm. Um automatons are rare, but they're they don't require food or most importantly, really heat. Mm-hmm. Um, which is awesome, and dis- they work around the clock. That so is they're, a they're, huge deal, especially when yeah. you start putting them on your coal mines. That's exactly what it is. That's what fucked my first game. Yes. Was not being able to work. Uh, it being, you know, not having the infrastructure, having it be too cold mm-hmm. to gather coal during the day for my humans and not being able to gather any during the night and mm-hmm. just ended up being a death spiral with that. Yeah. Um, putting your automatons on coal. Um, the three more common types of people are uh, workers, which are just general. Mm-hmm. Um, they do work. They're laborers. Um, engineers, which are your scientists. Um, they're going to work in workshops, which is how you uh, handle your tech tree. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're going to work in your uh, medical facilities, yes, um, and in your factories uh, where you make automatons and later um, prosthetics, and then children. And uh, we'll get to it. It's one of the more interesting, very early choices you make in this is whether <laughs> children will be treated as workers, yes, or not. Um, or that's the type of game we're playing, <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, like how like how how dangerous of a job can they take? So yes. like there are a couple of different there are a couple there there are several different degrees of that. It is not just are we crushing innocence or not. It is are we crushing innocence, you know, with yes. a T instead of a C. Yep, yep. As in, you know, yeah. Um yep. and uh, the the other class here, if people are amputated, they become amputees. Um mm. and they cannot work until you give them prostheses. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Which we'll, which we'll get to. And, and it just becomes about how you want to take care of these different people. Yes. Um, in a very interesting interesting kind of way that is is adjustable per person and kind of per structure and with these different constructs of society. Yeah. Which we'll get to when we talk about laws. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, your citizens ultimately are your labor force. And if you do not have enough of them to go around uh, or to allocate to particular industries um, and the ratio that you need, Right. So like a certain number of workers have to be available to be hunters in order to keep your population fed. Mm-hmm. Um, you're kind of managing those ratios as well and making sure that you don't have bottlenecks that pop up everywhere else. Or if you have too many, like one of the scenarios really plays with this, but it's unlikely to happen in the base game. Mm-hmm. But having a labor surplus is also a huge problem. Yes. Yeah. Um, temperature. Uh, so cold and heat are the conditions that we're managing for. Um, the weather will change and it starts at zero. Right. Like that's where it, to- or it starts off as a. Yeah, it's, it starts out below freezing. 
um, you mm-hmm. know, ne- ne- negative Celsius around zero or negative four Fahrenheit. Um, and that is considered warm. That is balmy, um, temperate weather, uh, mm-hmm. because where we're going, we won't be able to see the roads. Yep. Yep. Um, and this with the weather is your big uncaring force hammering you down. This is the disaster. Yeah. This is the disaster and it ebbs and flows. Um, you get forecast on it. Um, you can tell, you know, I think it's like five days out. Something like that, yeah. Um, essentially. And you see like, oh, this is going to go down a tick. This is going to go down two ticks. Mm-hmm. This is going to go down a tick and then up a tick. Yeah. Um, it trends generally downwards. Right. Um, and starts off much more gentle than it ends up. Right. And having that preparation is very cool. Like you flex mm-hmm. in this game. Like, oh, like I, there's a double cold snap coming for a couple days. Um, you know, I need to get my coal reserves in order. I need to start researching heating things I didn't have before, et cetera. Yeah. So while you're playing this kind of macro game of creating a sustainable economy, you're also managing these minor crises. Yes. Um, that come with the fluctuations of temperatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like talking about those crises, if people's uh, workplaces or homes are too cold, they're going to get sick. Yeah. Um, and then they're going to be either taken out of the workforce. Um, if they get gravely ill, they have to be, uh, they have to be amputated. It is just a bad, uh, a bad scene because it takes time to heal them as they go. Mm-hmm. So and they like, can die. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> but when you start a scenario, like you've got nothing, you've got the, the, the generator, there's a resource de- depot, which kind of sets your initial caps. Um, and you're surrounded by these resource piles. So like your first night is all about like getting enough of those resources to like get yourself some houses, a workshop and a medical post. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Building a tent, yeah. you know, building your tents and getting your people and you'll get little meters that show like how many people you're hungry, how many are homeless, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, as we, as we mentioned, uh, the generator is going to be your main thing mm-hmm. that you're doing here. It heats naturally in a certain radius, which you can expand. Um, but you know, pro tip, that's where you want your houses. Right. Uh, so it's warm <laughs> and nice at yeah. night. Um, maybe, um, maybe a couple of, uh, maybe a couple of medical posts. Um, just so they, you know, because they, uh, if, if certain buildings get too cold, they're going to, uh, stop working. So then mm-hmm. like, it just, it just vomits all of the sick people out onto the street. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, where they, they don't, uh, where they live happily ever after. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that radial kind of structure and, you know, the fact that you're building around these heat zones that complicates your city planning, right? Mm-hmm. You have to make sure that you, you know, um, are not putting stuff way, way out there, um, where it can't be heated easily or efficiently. Additionally, there are some structures that it just doesn't matter where they are, mm-hmm. or there are structures that have to go on certain resource nodes. So yep. like that, that is another like resource that you're managing, which is not just space because each of these maps is constrained, but also, um, space that can be heated. Yeah. Yep. And you get different ways around this and kind of extending that heat, but it's never, quite as efficient right you know as right there in your zone mm-hmm. uh and your your main thing so essentially what you're trying to do is create this economy you want to build housing you want to research um and kind of increase the efficiencies of your resource gathering you have um in order to expand in order to make life more comfortable for the citizens you have and ultimately take in more citizens right um, which you have which initially you will be super super hungry for like you, <laughs> you know we need more bodies right like essentially and then uh yeah. Yeah. Like early so the, on, like you won't have enough workers. So they will start, they'll be like a gathering post by day. And then at night you allocate them to be hunters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Even though I think that they patched that out Did they? where you can give people double jobs. I think there's a more recent patch where they, oh. they, you can't do a double job. Work for me. 
<laughs> oh, I wonder. I wonder if it's a, a version thing. I don't know because I was reading about that online, um, and someone was saying like, "Yeah, they stopped you being able to have, make people work twenty four hours without paying for it." No, like the two the two big exploits that showed up in a lot of like before I play hint stuff mm-hmm. that I saw. Um, I didn't I didn't end up trying these not because I was like too good for it, but mm-hmm. because it was like too fiddly. I was didn't realize the level of micromanaging necessary. Right. Um, the other one is flipping on and off your overdrive. Um, or flipping on and off rather your heater mm. at night. Um, and it takes like, um, I think like two hours to totally cool down. Mm. So it was an early exploit to like turn it off at 1 a.m., turn it back on at 3 a.m., turn it off at 5 a.m. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. save half the coal for the night. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, that I mean, that, that that is a way to get around those resource burns, but it also is less fun. <laughs> it's, I, I don't think it works anymore is, is yeah, my point. Yeah. Like it might work on some versions of it, but I think they stopped it. Possibly. Um, it, it was a, a thing that they, they did not yeah. uh, intend. Or maybe I was making my citizens sick by overworking them. <laughs> you know, they might have been. Yeah, they might have been. There might have been consequences for it. The other thing, too, I, hunting shacks didn't used to need to be heated. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they do because people, they would go out at night. Yeah, um, yeah. They just they hang out at the hunting shack for a second. Then they go out and check their traps mm-hmm. out in the wilderness and they didn't need to be heated. Now they do. Yeah. Um, things like that. Right. Um, the uh like any RTS, you know, which is essentially what this is, like yeah. real-time strategy city builder, um, there's a tech tree. Um, the way you do this is with your engineers, you create workshops, mm-hmm. and uh, you have technology uh, that you can research. And it's kind of gated in this cool way yeah. where um, there are four different major categories of these, and efficiencies lead to efficiencies lead to efficiencies, Yes, essentially. So you are upgrading, um, you know, like, oh, I have a... A sawmill, what if I got a better sawmill? Yeah, a steam sawmill or an advanced sawmill. Um, yeah. And the advanced versions of these um, of, of, of these structures end up requiring steam cores, right? So you yes. can get like coal thumpers, which require a ton of people because you don't just have to man that structure. You also have to build like gathering outposts around them. Uh, mm-hmm. re, you know, resource gathering huts. Um, so like, you know, you would end up realistically spending 30 workers to get a certain amount of coal. Well, you can just research coal mines and get about the same amount of coal, um, for 10 workers, right. Mm-hmm. Or one automaton. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, uh, you know, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the way this works and some major systems are actually locked behind this as well. Like right. exploration is locked behind your tech tree yes um one of the things just in tutorial fails is that you can upgrade buildings by placing the better version on top of it yes um it never tells you this Mm. so my first game i don't know how much time and or resources i lost by demolishing things and then rebuilding right right because there's just nothing to suggest it and it's like that's real basic stuff guys When, when you when you go to build so like if you select you know a bunkhouse um all of the tents that you have will turn green well, that doesn't help if you've already demolished all the tents in anticipation of <laughs> yeah, building a bunkhouse. Yeah. Like, why would I just build a freestanding bunkhouse on top of my tents if I want to upgrade them, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, I mean, it should have been an option on the tent. Yes. Like, everything else is clicking through on the buildings, mm-hmm. you know? So it should have been like it does in, uh, in StarCraft or what yes. have you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, I find that frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, as we talked about, automatons, the way to build these comes through the tech tree. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find some as well. Right, right. Exploring. There's a, like um, in the main game, there's one that's relatively nearby that introduces the system early, you know, kind of early on. Um, and just gives you a big boom. And like just having one is yeah, great. Yeah. They have, they have uh, very steampunky names. <laughs> them. Like you can't control individual citizens, but you do get to see their name and what their family is and such. Yeah. yeah. Like, so you, so you yeah. see what their primary concern is. Yeah. Um, let's talk about exploration. Yeah, let's do that. Um, I like this quite a bit. Um, yeah, this is, this is smart. <laughs> 
So what you do is you research a beacon, which is kind of a, a, a tethered hot air balloon, uh, where you send people up to, you know, kind of like look at uh, the area around you. And you actually go to almost like a world map. Um, mm-hmm. And there are nodes uh, that you can go to if you assemble a scouting team. Um, it takes time to get there, you know, like oftentimes, like maybe a day of travel. Um, and when you get there, you have a chance to get resources or find other survivors. All of these come or most of them come with a little bit of story. Um, mm-hmm. And you are just kind of trying to ascertain what is out there in the wilderness in order to get these leg ups that you absolutely need. Well, and there's a really interesting risk reward or not risk reward, but kind of choice that you're presented with constantly in these, mm-hmm. which is that you go out to uh, like, oh, an abandoned hut. And at that abandoned hut, there is some food and some wood mm-hmm. or whatever. And then your guy picks up the food in the wood. But uh-oh, from that abandoned hut, you can see a cave. Yes. And it's like, do you do you press your luck mm-hmm. and let it ride and keep exploring? Or do you take that those supplies you got from the hut yeah. and bring them back to your, your town, which will take some time? Right. Um, that's really interesting. And, like, I would end up feeling, like, this weird false sense of being better off than I was. Because <laughs> right. I see these huge numbers. Like, oh, this guy just found, like, 700 coal. That's yep. awesome. But I didn't – I don't have it. You know, like, <laughs> oh, I've got – like, this guy found two steam cores. Holy shit. Yeah. But it's like, well, he's half a world away. <laughs> and he's only – he's six hours away from exploring this cave and getting more. Or he's 18 hours away from getting back to base. Yep. <laughs> you know, which one do I choose? And it's just, like, really, really interesting. Every time one of these came up, like – the actual Oregon Trail, like, <clears throat> choose your own adventure style choices, I think are actually kind of shitty mm-hmm. because they all are 50% death. Yes. Like, you just save before you do them, but they're all just rolling. You either decide to leave something away or it's like, oh, we're going to go into Tesla City, which is protected by these, like, gigantic, you know, arcs. Some kind of um, coil. Electric arcs. Yeah. Some kind of coil. Um, if you go in there, you have a 50% chance of dying, a 50% chance of getting some resources. Mm-hmm. That's actually not very interesting. No. But what is interesting is like, I have all this stuff. Do I want to keep exploring for more mm-hmm. or do I want to like take my money and go home? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's what you described. It's like having invoices out. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, fake money. Yeah. You know, you have, the, you have this virtual money roaming the lands mm-hmm. and other, there are a couple other interesting things that happen with this, like plot events that can be moved forward. Mm-hmm. Um, through these or uh, one of the scenarios I did before to refresh my memory for the show does a really interesting thing with them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found this to be like a really compelling system that again yeah. is not really explained very well what you need to do mm-hmm. with it. Like this is the only time you need to click a unit. Right. If you need to explore in the overland, mm-hmm. unless you already have the unit selected, you can't just go to a place and say, send a unit here. You have to right, actually click right. on the unit and then click on the place Yeah, just and weird. then do a little slider to the right. <laughs> I want to send one unit to, yeah. to it. It is very, very bad UI. Yeah. So. It's, it's not great. Uh, there's the, yeah. there, there's a lot of friction to that. Uh, one, one of one wrinkle to the uh, um, travel that I really enjoy is um, when you find survivors, which is mm-hmm. like, okay, do you want to leave them where they are? Uh, do you want to send them to the city or do you want to escort them? Because if you just send them, it's not guaranteed that they're all going to get there alive. Yeah. yeah. It's almost guaranteed that some will die. Yes. During that. But it does allow you to send some people back and keep your guy out there and let it ride and keep rolling the dice. Yes. You're on locations. Very, very neat. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this system quite a bit. Yeah. Um, eventually, you can actually use this to start making settlements. Mm-hmm. Um, other settlements are satellite kind of resource nodes. Yeah. Like, they'll, they'll send you shipments. Yep. And this ended up being something, again, that um, the way your first game is so different from your second game, 
it gives you a choice between it's like it's like winning the lottery. It's like <laughs> you want the lump sum or do you want payments? You know, I found a lumber mill. I could deconstruct this for a thousand lumber or I can set up a settlement here. Yeah. Settlement's going to be a huge cost. But getting those those shipments regularly is really, really huge. And the mm-hmm. second time I played through the main campaign, the thing that made me able to beat it was doing this. Yes. Like having coal shipments that were, uh, set, you know, because for some reason these satellite locations are immune to the weather. Mm-hmm. Like you just don't have to, you don't have to manage them. So like yeah, yeah. negative 180 or whatever. And these guys are still showing up with coal to my door. You know, thanks guys. Hey, yeah. You know, yeah. Thanks buddy. <laughs> um, well, you need to find a better way to get eyes. I lost four men this mission. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, <laughs> there's a lot of ice, man. Stop losing men to get ice. <laughs> this is, uh, yeah. yeah uh, it is the one thing that isn't, that is in surplus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah that, that that is something that you absolutely want to do like uh one of the closest is always going to be a node that gives you coal um mm-hmm. that is necessary i don't know that yeah. i've won a scenario uh without doing that yeah but it's still set up as a choice again like you have once you know that mm-hmm. it changes the game entirely like finding that coal mine that active coal mine is not about getting that immediate boost which you might need yeah but if you're in a situation where you need that you that game is pretty doomed right right you know this does have that strategy problem that comes with strategy games in general that Mm -hmm. i don't like where it's like you can be fucked 10 steps before you know you're fucked yeah yeah and that's a pretty bad feeling i think um that definitely happens here yes and uh so knowing going into it's like oh anytime i find one of these resource things it's a priority to set that up it's not a priority to, to harvest it right you know it just changes the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to make sure everyone is housed and warm, as we mentioned. <laughs> right. And uh, this has to do with the sickness system and all the, you know, death, as we mentioned before. But there are also two kind of overriding meters. Yes, your life um, bars. Kind of life bars. Dissatisfaction and hope. Right. Or dissent and hope. Is it dissatisfaction or dissension? Um, I think it's dissatisfaction. Okay. Yeah. So helpfully, you can hover over over this bar and kind of see what is, uh, you know, dragging you down, either mm-hmm. temporarily or permanently. So you can decide, a, what problems do I need to fix, or b, you know, is this just going to get better if I hold the course? Yeah. Is this a sy- systemic issue or not? Right. Right. Um, hope is a little bit. Um, uh, it's a little bit less resilient, I think. Uh, it generally drains and hope is more, uh, I think, pinned to laws than anything. Mm-hmm. Whereas dissatisfaction is generally about um, is generally about like the conditions that people are in. Yeah. And th- there's a couple of different ways that they they seem like they're just mere opposites. They're kind of not. Um, we'll get into the kind of big narrative twist. And that's how you mostly get to start affecting these things. Mm-hmm. when We talk about the main campaign, but um, they're both resources. Mm hmm you know, essentially to use as well, like they're a currency and it doesn't, that's another thing to kind of learn is that you can handle some hits to hope and some, some increases in dissatisfaction. Um, you know, all, a lot of these things are trade-offs that you're making, um, you know, for one or the other, and you can afford that. Yeah. You know, not everyone, it's a post-apocalypse. Not everyone is going to be hopeful and happy, Mm. you know, and satisfied the entire time. So just learning that like, no, it's okay to hit a couple of these Mm -hmm. was a big difference for me in, being able to win or not yeah yeah uh, like the game generally if they are stuck in about the middle you're roughly fine you're fine yeah you know yeah. If, um, if there's hope... a couple of things that will fuck them up but we'll we'll talk about those yeah yeah but if if hope bottoms out or if dissatisfaction tops out then you are kind of given an ultimatum um mm-hmm. and uh like that is when you lose conditions uh which is yeah people just kick you out <laughs> like they send yep. you out into the wasteland to die 
Yep. Which is uh, not good. No. Um, you get little, all around the map, you'll get little quests uh, that pop up. They're just little markers that you can click on that show a symbol. And these will be kind of like a smaller version of those Oregon Trail exploration things. Um, mm-hmm. They'll be like little kind of tasks, uh, which will either, you know, if you do this, you'll get additional hope. If you don't do this, you'll get some increased uh, increased dissas- dissatisfaction. Yeah. Uh, um, or classically, uh, dissatisfaction will rise or dissatisfaction will rise slightly. Oftentimes yes. you are just trying to minimize damage. Yep. Um, another thing that, again, is something I wish I knew going into this was you don't have like not only do you not have to take most of these, mm-hmm. you kind of should. Right. <laughs> um, a bunch of them, if they sound too hard to do, they are too hard to do. Right. Um, the ones that are like, keep every home warm for three days. That's a long time. <laughs> fuck that shit. Yeah. yeah. Like it just, it's just not going to happen. Have you looked outside? <laughs> like you're asking too much. Yeah. Um, and, or like, oh, don't do extended shifts for a while. It's like, dog, have you seen our coal piles? I'm yeah. really sorry. No, was, everyone works 14 hours a day. That's just the new world. Right. I'm sorry. It sucks. You know, <laughs> have some moonshine. Go see a prostitute on your way out. Like, you know, it's if like you do it's not a have lover, a prostitute. But, one will be assigned to you. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, you cannot. Uh, so just kind of like and this kind of messes with your video game brain, I find, mm-hmm. because when you see one of these little optional goals that sounds good on paper, you're like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. like, like oh, this is the game. Like, I should be doing this thing because it's good. Um, and Frostpunk is playing a different game than that. Like Frostpunk right. is not, you know, giving you an easy kind of goal that you have to do. It's actually when it asks you a question, it's actually asking you, like, should we do this? Right. And it's right. a good faith question. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and, and that's a big difference in this game. And I think kind of speaks well of it is that, like, when it asks you to make these decisions, like at least these ones, like most of them, they are good faith decisions. Like, yeah, maybe you maybe you don't. You know, mm-hmm. maybe we can't, um, you know, stop. Maybe we don't get to let this kid have the day off work. Right. <laughs> you know, who got his hand mangled in a fucking thresher. Right. <laughs> maybe kid has to start using his other hand because otherwise the town will fucking die. Right. And, you know, that's the kind of choices that you're you're being asked to make in this. Mm-hmm. And even when you're responding to crises, um, it allows you to select degrees. So, uh, you know, the, the, the heating one is always a lose-lose. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, if pe- if people are getting sick... Uh, like it'll say, hey, there is a shortage of beds. Uh, what do what what, what do we want to do? You can say do nothing, um, and you take a hit to your meters. Uh, you can say I will heal everybody within two days, yeah. uh, which is a sucker's bet. Or you can say I'll open up one more medical post, yeah. which is a modest promise that you can make and fulfill. And if you don't fulfill that promise, or if you overpromise, not meeting it will result in a worse hit to your um to to your meters than you than you just saying fuck off things are fine the way they are yeah but it's also just kind of doable and it is a compromise yes you know so it is uh those things are are fairly safe these are all pretty interesting um something that i'm not sure would be um you know would show up somewhere else just a thing i appreciate about the game Mm -hmm. is that it does a really excellent job of drawing your attention back to it Mm -hmm. so you can play this game and fast forward yes Essentially, like it is an RTS, but you do not need to sit down and just watch everything happen in real time. Yeah. Um, whenever um, a major event happens or you can research something or one of these things happens, time slows mm-hmm. down on its own. Yes. Um, also, there's a cool audio cue that plays. It's like a mm-hmm. shung. Shung. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like the for as many ways as the interface is unintuitive, when the game wants to call your attention to something, it's really easy to see what needs your attention. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yep. You can just the little pop up will show up on the left side of the bar, and you can always click it to go mm-hmm. directly to what you want. 
Yes. Um, let's talk about laws. We should, uh, because like we said, this is kind of the core of the hook, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have these meters um, and you have a whole society that you need to run. Laws is a system that lets you set policies in order to kind of guide your civilization. And these are almost always trade-offs. Yes. Um, you start off with just one. Um, you click there and it shows adaptation. Um, that kind of shows you where your civilization is at this point. Like it's just about survival. Um, these are uh, the the set of laws that are in the bonus scenarios as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and these are a series of trade-offs that kind of go on different spokes that deal with different parts of society. Right. So like, how are we going to handle labor? How are we going to handle child labor? What are we going to do with our dead? Yeah. What are our medical ethics? Like when someone gets hurt, you know, and we can't, they can't work and we can't fix them. Mm-hmm. What do we do with them? Right. Um, things like that. Um, really, really interesting stuff that branch off. Another real clever decision they make in this is that you can't see how far they branch. Like right. you can sometimes see the next node, mm-hmm. but not all the nodes. There's kind of like a fog of war. Yes. You can't see how this. far this is going to go or how far you might have to go. Yes. Because you know, if, just... if, if step one is adding sawdust to food, um, yeah. <laughs> And of course, yep. for that example, I picked the shallowest branch. Fuck me. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But like, imagine that then led to adding trees to food. Yeah. And then whole forest to food. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can just eventually just keep adding. You know, the, the example I was thinking about was I was trying to find prosthetics, uh-huh. um, which I never really used before, but I wanted it in the arc scenario because people were so precious. Yes. Um, and I couldn't, I didn't know which branch it was down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do I deal with my sick that eventually leads to, and it goes dark before it gets light mm-hmm. <laughs> again, you know, and it does, it kind of takes you on a ride like, Oh, you know, we're just going to have people in hospice. It's going to be really depressing. Hope will fall. You know, nobody likes this. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, Oh, we'll build these shelters where these people will just kind of live eating half food rations mm-hmm. and taking up heat and, you know, sucking ass. And then, you know, it's like, Oh, well we can actually build them prosthetics. Yes. Like you get this little like, Oh, like there's a ray of hope at the end <laughs> of this chain of laws. Um, you can make laws, um, on a timer. You can't just count, you know, be Johnny laws a lot and just pass mm-hmm. laws like a madman. Yeah. Um, and each um, law you passed increases the time in between them. So early on, like the first laws that you prioritize, um, will affect you for a good long while. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about these individual laws when we talk about playing the campaign. Yeah, yeah. Um, these are really interesting. One of the things I like about them is that almost none of them are, uh, absolutely good or evil. Right. Like you can make it work like on the surface, right? Like child labor just feels like, oh, you're this is you trading a short term gain for a long term one. Mm-hmm. But I, I won a game reasonably with child labor. Like yes. it's not an inherently evil thing to do. Right. You know, again, playing into that, like you're making choices, you're making tough decisions mm-hmm. in this. Like, yeah, it sucks to have child labor. Like there's yeah. a reason we don't have it in real life. But having child labor and just having kids work in the kitchens, like mm-hmm. I'm fine. That's yeah. pretty reasonable, I think, in this scenario. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think the best of these are like the child labor insofar as um, they're pretty direct trade-offs. Um, mm-hmm. What it does is it kind of shifts the time release of the benefit. So, like, if you decide uh, to not use – okay, so if you decide to use child labor, you just have more people to throw at problems, and every worker who is not working in the cookhouse can go hunt, right? Yep. Um, if you decide, Hey, the kids are not going to, um, yeah, but we're not going to have them work. You can send them to care houses and you can pass laws that basically set up apprentices or internships. So they can start Mm -hmm. working in say the uh, medical outposts and actually increasing the efficiency of them. Um, Mm -hmm. or you can have them, uh, make your engineers research faster. 
So like you can like they they are still a resource that you can use. Um, it's it, it just depends on wh- when and where you want the benefit. And and they're surprisingly equal. Like it right. seems like it's going to be a draconian evil thing, but mm-hmm. like having that additional food, it's not just an early boost to having food, being able to free up five hunters from the the cook kitchen mm-hmm. to start hunting. That's a permanent. Those are five bodies that can start making food for the whole thing. Yeah. And you'll have dividends of just kind of satisfaction and hope that will come just from taking care of your people better too. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they're, they're a lot, like, they're not very black and white. Like it seems a little bit like initially, like they're going to kind of be gotchas, mm-hmm. you know, like there is, there is to the grand narrative kind of swears of this game. There is a little bit of a gotcha feeling to some of it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I initially, this felt like another extension of that where it's like, Oh, like you're hungry for people. Are you? Well, here, do this war crime. And <laughs> it does that, but not until way later. I think that it is trying to say something, you know, or is trying to project a morality that is a lot more gray than black and white. Yeah. Um, and at you least can actually, like, you can actually mitigate some of the effects of this, too. So, like, you, once you pass a law, you cannot rescind it. However, when you pass a law and they are in effect, you get more of these kind of random little missions or prompts that pop up. So, like, if you have kids working and a kid gets injured, you can say, all right, that kid gets the day off. Or yep. uh, all kids get double rations when they're working. Cool. Yep. You know, so like you, yeah. you, it is not necessarily uh, entirely one way. Yep. Yeah, you can you can mitigate some of the things. Right. Which is great. Um, there is halfway through the game as kind of a big part of a big twist we'll talk about. You get a second set of laws. Right. That are that are introduced to you called purpose. <laughs> um, and these are really interesting. This is uh, one of those like kind of gut punch things or like swerves or gotchas, depending on how you want to say that the game does mm-hmm. for you. Um, these are the two branches, faith and order. And these are primarily about managing hope and dissatisfaction in two different ways. Like faith is better at increasing hope. Mm -hmm. Order is better about quashing dissatisfaction. Yes. Um, And so it's kind of, you know, these are social and cultural. Once we have, uh, you know, (laughs) set up food, how do we actually give people a reason to stay? How do we give people a reason to keep going? That is kind of what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you pursue them moderately, that is, you know, the, the result, they give you some useful abilities to help, you know, raise hope and lower dissatisfaction, right? Either yes. passively by building special structures that affect like, uh, workplaces or houses in a particular radius, or like there are some active ones where if you choose faith, like you can, you know, call a sermon and people will go to church and that will, um, you know, affect your meters positively. Right. Yeah. Cool. Um, very, very modestly. Yes. It should be said. So like. The way the the trick that this game this is doing the system is doing is tempting you with more and more power. Right. Um, these these branches are actually you know they do have a difference where one of them is better at hope one of them is better at dissatisfaction mm-hmm. but they're almost identical. Yes. Um, which also feels to be like it's saying something. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're almost identical and there is just there's a line and it's actually a pretty blurred line that mm-hmm. you can cross where you go too far. Right. Um, in this and uh, up until that line the gains you're getting for this are fairly small, right? Like you can, you can hammer them. If you're using them efficiently and everything else is going pretty well, mm-hmm. they will be enough. Yeah. If you have not set up your economy to be like, if you need to use this to shore up a already in trouble situation or mm-hmm. civilization, these will not be enough at the low levels. Right. Right. Like you, you will need to kind of push that throttle further, which is what the game is trying to trick you to do because <laughs> Ultimately, like the canonical, you know, ending or what they want in this game, the experience you want, they want you to have is winning and compromising yourself. Yes. 
to win. Like that is the unique, cool feeling this game is trying to get you that only video games can do, mm-hmm. you know, that you, you couldn't feel that way from watching a movie. Yeah. Um, you know, so, that's what they want you to do. Yeah. So like your first step was setting up, you know, setting up a neighborhood watch. Like, yeah, okay. It makes sense for us to have a couple of towers so people can make sure there are no troublemakers, you know, make sure that there, there is some kind of peace kept. Um, that is the first step down a, down a road to declaring the new order. And you are the God King of this, of this yes. repressive regime who orders executions whenever people yep. get uppity. Yep. And it's, it's pretty much 1984 or the faith militant from game of Thrones. Yes. Like you, you can choose either one and they will be useful mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. Like having a police force is exceedingly useful. Yeah. Oh, it's like, especially on some of those little choices that it gives you because like, yeah. you know, it'll say, Hey, people are raising trouble, you know, in the main game and, and, and elsewhere, people are raising trouble. If your hope is high enough, you can just say like, yeah, guys, you're being ridiculous. Go away. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if it's not, you take a huge hit to one of your meters. If you have the police, you can just kind of say, Hey, rough them up a little bit. And the yeah, problem goes away. <laughs> and that could be depending on how well you're doing. So that's like part of this whole, like, I, I don't really know exactly how to articulate it, but like a thing that not an elegance, but it's just kind of a seeing the strings thing is that mm-hmm. like that first run through of the game, you're not going to know in what kind of shape you have to be in to not hit these levers. Yes. You know, and they're trying to tempt you into doing the levers after you know that, like, okay, one, those levers lead to despotism, Mm -hmm. no despotism. And two, I with enough planning, I can avoid even having to look at the levers. Yeah, it just becomes a totally different and to my mind, like a little bit less interesting game, like a still very like good city management sim. Yeah, good demanding city management sim where like what if there was just always a disaster? Yeah, and that's great. That's Mm -hmm. very interesting. But it's only really the first time you play through these and really even the first time you play the first one. Mm-hmm. Like once you know that there's going to be a trick, mm-hmm. you know there's going to be a trick for the other one, other scenarios too. Right. Um, Is it having that intended effect of like that feeling of temptation? Yeah. You know, so it's it's a weird thing where I played through this game a few different times. I didn't do all the scenarios. I did two of the optional scenarios and did the main scenario twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the my failures are the ones I consider canonical. Yeah. Because they're the ones where I engage with this system in the way I feel like it's intended. This feeling of like becoming either a god lord or a nineteen eighty you know, big brother. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, that temptation were... I think is elemental to the game. And only once I knew that was bad mm-hmm. and just knew to avoid it, it became like a different game. Yes. You know? Yeah. And even though I won those other games where I didn't do that, mm-hmm. um, you know, for the for the most part, we'll we'll talk about it. I had to had to do a couple of public executions, <laughs> taking all the refugees. Yeah, you um, know, just a couple. Break a few eggs. Um, there were a lot of people. It's fine. Yeah, there there are enough people. I had to do a couple uh, extremely gruesome public executions to, <laughs> to keep that going. Um, once I knew that was like, oh, even if I win the scenario, yeah, I'm going to get yeah. a, a non-standard ending that makes me feel bad about doing this. Mm-hmm. It did like erase some magic. Yeah. You know, from the game, like it is an interesting thing. Like it still functions as that copy of Pandemic. Like I can still just play Pandemic with it. Right, right. But the legacy part of it is now gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And I, I think that that might be something where the genre of this is at odds, where a strategy game requires you to have a certain amount of, you know, complete information. Right. Because mm-hmm. you are trying to understand what are the meters I can see? What are the meters I can't see? What are the levers I have access to? And what levers are those those attached to that I can't even see? Even mm-hmm. even that, you know, relies on a certain amount of completeness of information. 
for this game to work narratively, you have to have that fog. And that kind of stands against yeah. you being able to succeed. And really your success or failure in that low information state just kind of de you know depends on broadly how much do you understand how to set up one of these economies and do you have enough of a buffer uh built up in order to soak some of these disasters that you don't know are coming right mm -hmm. and you're, you're just not going to get that without you know contrast this again with a more traditional rts where like you know an individual mission of starcraft you only have one goal. It's very rare that a goal changes partway through. Mm -hmm. And it literally just shows up as text in the very beginning of the thing. Right. Like those games are about working towards a goal. Mm -hmm. This, even when you're not doing endless mode, you don't know what that goal is. It's just about working towards something you don't know what it is. Yeah. And those things will, you know, in the main campaign we'll talk about, it does two conflicting kind of disasters. One of which that is literally set up to be like, you know, look at this hand while this other hand picks your pocket. Yes. Um, which is a neat trick. It's mm -hmm. just a trick you can only do once. Right. You know, I mean, like, it makes me wonder if like, I mean, I guess we, I didn't even think about this, but like when I edited this in the beginning, I probably put it, if I remember, I put in a spoiler warning, mm -hmm. um, because I do think that knowing all this stuff, even the stuff we've already talked about yeah. is detrimental, uh, to, you know, to, <laughs> yeah. to knowing the game. Like I was really glad I didn't know this stuff. So, yeah. um, and yeah. I, I also wonder, like, did this, did, did that impact the, um, the, the success of this game? Because the stuff that is really cool about it, even down to the basics of like the law system, they work less if you communicate how cool they are. Yeah. yeah. In like reviews or what have you, yeah. you know, in, in the press and stuff like this is, is a game that's really good to go into blind weirdly yeah. for being as system heavy and complicated as it is. <laughs> right. Um, one of the uh, my one of my favorite touches and the, the exact moment this happens, like we'll, we'll talk about oh, too. So but like good. when you when you do uh, when you get the final choice of choosing to become Big Brother or a God King, it's the only choice in the game that like it says, "Are you sure?" When you do it, <laughs> which is pretty great. Yeah. And it's just like you know, it shows the effects, and it always shows the effects. It's like you know, hope will rise, dissatisfaction will lower, etc. It says hope won't be a concern anymore. <laughs> And I'm like, that is so good. And once you do it, which I did it, I did in two of the, the four games I played. Uh -huh. um, the uh, It gives you that message. And it's like, people don't think in that kind of, you know, like the people who are remaining after this <laughs> don't consider the world in those terms. That first part is important because it does kind of have the night Cause of the riots. change. Yeah. I mean, there are riots. Yeah. People are going to die because yeah. no matter how far they've gone with you down this road, um, they're still going to fight this complete power grab. Um, yeah. yeah. Just that sentence. Hope won't be a concern anymore. I love it. You are the last so people like, alive. And this basic aspect of humanity has withered and died under the conditions. Yeah. <laughs> and, and one of the other thing too, and this is kind of getting into final wrap ups or talking about the end game, but this is a hard game to talk about in a linear order regardless. Right, right. So I'm just going to go for it is one of the ways that the game, you know, it wants you to make that decision and win in spite of it. And or because of it and then feel bad is like one of the outcomes that I feel like is desirable mm -hmm. in this game on behalf of uh, like the, the developers. It's it's always like, you know, your humanity is gone. And mm -hmm. I always want to be like, well, yeah, my humanity is gone. <laughs> but these people will have kids eventually. Yeah, yeah. And otherwise they would all be dead. Right. Like, I still think the greater good argument that it kind of undercuts is a little stronger than the game wants to present it as. Can, can, you know, can, like, can you restate that for me? Um. Yeah. Like, do you like. I'm sorry. Did, was no, there no, no. There, there, yeah, there, there was an audio thing. I just, I just didn't understand it. The greater good argument is undercut. I did, I didn't follow okay. you. Yeah. What, what I mean by that is that the, uh, it's trying to make it feel like a failure 
that you did this thing, but the alternative is literally no more humans. Yes. And if there are no more humans, there's no chance like, you know, humanity has come back from dictatorships. Yeah. And yeah. and, you know, we don't still struggle under the yoke of super pope. You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, yeah. He's, he's he's been sent to his Antarctic prison. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, he's been exiled. You know, <laughs> um, the uh, so like it it tries to make you say like you know you won, but at what cost? And it's like right, right. yeah, it is at what cost, but also you won, and the stakes for winning in the situation you've you've done such a good job of setting up the bleakness and the the. Um, the stakes of this mm -hmm. mean that humanity still exists. Yeah. Humanity still you know? exists. Um, and I think that is one of the ways where the fact that this has an ending also complicates it, which mm -hmm. is, yes, you survived a super storm at the end of the main scenario. Uh, is there a worse one coming? Because yeah, things we have generally been getting worse. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't end with spring. Right. Right. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, so it, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's just interesting the way that it, it's like for this 30 day period. Yes. I had to do a couple of public executions to stop the, the settlement from literally everyone dying. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, that sucks. It's worth underlining like mm -hmm. how you lose your humanity in the moment there. Yeah, yeah. But when it's literally the future of mankind, like, you know, these, again, these people are going to have kids. They're going to elect another leader at some point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah well, it's just a little fascism. It's still good. It's still good. <laughs> and like it just in in this kind of situation, like this sort of like thing, it's like I get it's just a little bit more gray than I think the game wants to present it as. Yes, yeah, you know, yeah, um, um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not pro fascism. No, like no, I do. You know, it's just it, it's uh, um, the stakes have never been this high in like a traditional historical analog. Yeah, like as far as we know, we've never faced an extinction level, mm -hmm. you know, event and had to have the choice be extinction or, uh electing a dictator yeah we know, we don't know what og and gug went through when all the giant when all the dinosaurs turned to stone and their yep. food was gone but yep. yeah it's uh so it just it's just interesting yeah the way the way that it works like again it is such a cool trick mm -hmm. but it just like once you see that it's a trick it loses a little bit at least on replay like it doesn't make me not appreciate it anymore yeah. it just becomes a magic trick i know how it's done yeah yeah i still i still have that first impression i still have that initial oh absolutely feeling. yeah that's my canonical playthrough like oh, yeah. and we'll talk about my the ending of my first campaign <laughs> which is actually like fairly frustrating but i still feel like is the canonical one yes. in my mind um mechanically what it means when hope is no longer a concern literally that is one less resource you have to manage your hope mm -hmm. bar is blacked out um and if you followed the order path uh it turns into obedience if you follow the faith path, faith path it turns into devotion and you just yep. have to manage dissatisfaction which um that is a trick because if dissatisfaction rises uh, high enough well you just hook some dissidents up to this up to the generator and blast all their skin off with steam Yep. Yeah. The public executions have to be as cruel and showy as possible. <laughs> There's no way to do it without literally steaming someone's skin off. Yeah. Well, I just I, I love that this thing that is the center of your of your of your society, your God, that is the sun effectively, yeah. um, is what you are throwing people onto. The executioner. Yes. Yeah. It's pretty great. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. The um, so, you know, as we as we mentioned, the, the game is very concerned with like and this is where that desperation comes through is not only is it like a hard scrabble game in general, but it's saying, will you cross the line? Right. You know, um, and that is very much in line with this developers um, kind of perspective. As far as we can tell, it's only based on two games, but these games are very much this and this war of mine are yeah. very much of a piece. Yes, they are both very um, piquant 
<laughs> in that. Um, and this differs from this War of Mine, you know, which is a game where you're playing as a small group of survivors trying to survive in this war-torn Balkan state. Um, again, as things are getting colder and colder, like both of these games are about winter, weirdly enough. This War of Mine, the scale is very personal, right? You know, you've got five people and you're going and like you're looking at the elderly family that you're robbing in order mm -hmm. to help your little colony survive right here. It does this neat trick where the scale is much larger. You know, you are defined, you, you are, you know, objectively affecting way more lives with the decisions that you're making, but you're at a far enough remove that you might not realize you've gone too far until it's too late and the city is covered in red banners and there are, you know, radios in every home that people can't turn off. Yeah. Um, which is which is a is a cool trick. It's also a little more gotcha. Yes, you know as we mentioned, like it's a little bit more like in this war of mine that first encounter. That's the thesis statement of that, where it's the old couple that's very easy to rob. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of that thing. In this one, that um, thesis statement happens halfway through the game. Mm -hmm. You know, after you've already sunk in a lot of hours, so it does make it less iterable. Yes. You know, iterable, as we mentioned, mm -hmm. um, which is a, a plus and a minus. Like it yeah. is, it's cool that a game is meaty. It does have that one more turn appeal, like very much. Mm. Um, but it is something where it's like getting to the end. It took me a long time to come to peace with the end of my first game where it was like six or seven hours just down the drain. Yeah. And at the very end, based on decisions I had made four hours ago. Yes. You know, um, it took me a while mm -hmm. to be okay with that. Like, you don't realize it's gone too far until it's too late. Like, feeling yes. like it's generally something I hate in strategy games, actually. Like, mm -hmm. if I'm playing a board game, yeah. that will make me stop playing a board game. Right. Like, I don't play Settlers of Catan because that game does that shit. And I think that sucks. <laughs> you know, I don't want to play enough games of that to get the strategy in mind to where that can never happen to me. Yeah. I would like um, to know. That's a very bad feeling. I would like to know if there are strategy video games specifically um, that avoid that, because as far as I know, that is just a thing that comes with the territory. Mm -hmm. um, you know, specifically strategy games that are like this, that are not just on the Starcraft, you know, the level is 45 minutes and you're done kind of Yeah, mission-based games kind of, you, you know, you have to have a micro goal. Mm -hmm. Like when you have a long-term goal like this, it's a lot trickier. Yeah. You know, like playing Civilization, like, or Alpha Centauri or something like that also can have this problem. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and it, it just, in this one, they do it on purpose, though. Mm -hmm. Like, that problem is not, um, in those games, the end goal, like, you, you know, what you were doing, like, from the start is like, hey, set up a good economy. You know, and, like, yeah. the win conditions kind of come as a later thing. In that, like, Civilization, do as well as you can, and one of the win conditions will kind of present itself. Mm -hmm. as a thing you can do if you're if you're making your thing really well here by having a cute like having a, a certain the survival aspect of it undercuts it mm -hmm. so like it's not good enough to just do as well as you can right you know because you're going to have these swerves that come down the road mm -hmm. that are not systemic they're they're narrative based it's not yeah, random yeah. like in a game of sims or a sieve it specifically happens so it's both like less you know less to do with that problem and more mm -hmm. um you know it has that problem more when you're first doing it because it's a surprise and then way less when you yeah. just know what to plan for yeah. then it becomes not random really mm -hmm. like a game of this you know once you know the twist of this it's almost can be deterministic yeah yeah what you need to do no no like you know i played these scenarios over and over again not necessarily perfect to perfect them um but to get their best endings and it's really neat that there is such a gradient of success in this whether you cross the line or whether in the optional scenarios whether you um uh, hit those 
uh, kind of, you know, sub goals or secondary goals. Yeah. Yeah. But no, like, you know, when you restart one of these, knowing how it's going to end, you just start planning from the beginning um, Mm -hmm. to, you know, to, to, to make sure you hit that. Um, And it's a little bit frustrating because, you know, it might be argued that regardless of what happens, success just depends on you having enough resources. You know, mm-hmm. like a surplus is never really a problem as long as you have enough room to build uh, the storage to, to, you know, to, to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so at, at, at every level, like failure can just be like, oh, the, 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 the infrastructure of your society just wasn't strong enough to handle the stress, no matter how much the lowering temperature ratcheted up, ratcheted up the tension for you. Um, and that's something where like the game is really, really pushing you heavily down the faith or order paths. But like the third way is right there on the adaptation, uh, path, which is these vice laws you can put in where it's like, all right, well, people I'll set up these fighting arenas so people can, um, you know, take out their frustrations. Like you're just trying to like recreate the society of old that is neither a police state nor a theocracy. (laughs) Um, Mm. and that can go a long way towards just like setting up these time release mitigations of the overall drains on your, on your hope and dissatisfaction. Right. But again, again, that's dependent on that's a relatively weak and over a long period of time drain. the The difference between the um, purpose laws is that they're immediate. Oh, they're uh, so balance. powerful. Yeah, they're powerful, and so it's like yes, you can do that vice thing, but again, that requires that foreknowledge. Yes. Like, yeah. that is only going to work if your city is in good shape in the first place. Yes, like it's almost like it only helps if your city only barely needs it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so again, it plays into that like. You kind of have to know what's coming to, to yeah, make that yeah. good enough. You know, mm-hmm. like I think most people will do those vice things because early on you can make laws so frequently mm-hmm. and you're not confronted with a lot of problems. Right, right. That are that are solved by them. Like you get the option to what to deal with your dead way before you get dead people. Right. Like days and days before you get any, anybody's dead. So it's like, well, I can pass a law. It feels like a missed opportunity not to like I may as well make a fighting arena mm-hmm. like, the, you know, that's the first one. And it's like, you know, this will raise hope. Why wouldn't I do that? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not presented as a choice like the other ones are or like a compromise like the other ones are. Yeah. So I think most people are going to incidentally do the vice path. Mm -hmm. It's only good enough if you are doing everything else well. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, um, and just at a brass tax level, the, you know, one of the problems with this or just to you know, describe it in terms of mechanics is that these new uh, twists that each of the scenarios throw at you, um, they are either new systems that you have to engage with or it is redefining what success is. Because, yeah. like, if you have reached homeostasis, well, all that takes is a couple of is, is a couple of um, cooldowns for that not to be the case anymore. Right. Um, You know, if you have the Londoners coming after you, well, that puts such a uh, so much of a higher standard on your hope and dissatisfaction levels. Yeah. In addition to just the big hit that they take. Yes. You know, so it's like I would say the third way is not necessarily using the adaptation things you have. It's that just playing the game well. Yes. Like the third way is almost foreknowledge. Like (laughs) it's very hard for me to imagine I would be interested if there were statistics on this. Mm-hmm. Anyone clearing one of these scenarios on normal on their first the try. first time they played the game, yeah. like not just you know if you played uh, you know a new home, mm-hmm. um, it's not. I'm not saying like oh you beat the arc on the first try, right? Right. Like no, the very first time you're sitting down to Frostpunk, can you win? Right. Right. And I bet you no. Yeah. It's like a, I bet you the number of people who have done that is 
incredibly small. Yeah, yeah. You know? And maybe that's something that they're trying to say, which is that, you know, all of these extreme cases where you have too much you know, too, too much order, uh, or, you know, just an oppressive faith, any kind of oppression is just something that governments do to shore up when they cannot provide for their people. Yeah. 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 And even they're effectively, you know, they're fairly equal, Yeah, you know, as, as a thing, like they're just both management, you know, ways of control. Yeah. This was conceived at a Denny's <laughs> at 2am <laughs> and someone said, Hey man, <laughs> Religion and God, that super pope guy, he's pretty much just like Big Brother. That's why they call him that. He's yeah. huge. I, I guess what I'm saying is let super pope out of his Antarctic crystal prison. Yeah, let him <laughs> let him go. You know, like he's gonna team up with super giant voice. Super you know? pope was right. <laughs> yeah, super pope and super giant voice man. Um, the, the two of them are gonna fucking wreck shop. Uh, I, I, I love the, the ambiguity. Like like I love the ambiguity of that. The fucking rep shop or fuck yeah. and wreck shop. I like that. <laughs> and their children will be giants, everyone. <laughs> These new titans, one-eyed and bearded, will, str- will straddle the mountains. <laughs> and wreck shop and fuck. Yes. Um, so uh, this game looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and the, the music is super good. It, it's like um, Arcanum, like it's all string. Yeah. Moody string stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really and the way that it uh, the, the, that it escalates and the way that the tone changes as well is really subtle, but very powerful, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are different, you know, music tracks for later on in the game. And I think that I think that like the stuff that plays when the blizzard is happening is it is so complimentary to the tone. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the climax of your, your first game of this is like unforgettably good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, game reviewed really well uh nominated for several uh awards i have no idea how it's sold though i know i don't hear about it very often no it came out last year and it feels like it was fairly quickly forgotten i think i saw a couple of people who i follow on twitter talk about it a mm-hmm. little bit um but yeah. people moved on fairly fast it feels like it didn't have like the cultural sticking power of this war of mine i think yeah yeah yep. um so uh They've they've continued working on the game. Um, they added an endless mode and a DLC scenario, which is included when you buy the game. Right now, um, and uh, the main thing we're going to talk about in this episode is a new home, which is the basic. It even tells you like this is the main campaign. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it, that when you start at the game, the other ones are not available to you. Like you have to yeah. survive a certain number of days before the. Whole yeah, thing you're right. It's like yeah. twenty days or something. Yeah. Of uh, of thirty one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. You have to make it most of the way through. Yeah. Um. So, and then we'll talk about those other scenarios um, as they were included in the game, as well as the DLC scenario mm-hmm. and stuff, which I did not play, but I read a lot about. So. I did. I got you covered, fam. Yeah. I, uh, everything else. I didn't play Endless Mode either because I'm yeah. like, I don't want to do this at Endless. Mm. Um, the, day, uh, day, 75, yeah, day 75, yo. Yeah, day 75. It's still cold. <laughs> like. <laughs> So let's uh, let's talk about uh, kind of starting this game out yeah. with a new home. Um, opens with a really cool cinematic. 
um, and, you know, incredibly, uh, you know, just, uh, let, let, let's say maybe overwrought prose, uh, as we see this kind of steam train, um, this Frostbreaker or whatever. Um, Snowpiercer. Yeah, Snowpiercer. There we go. Uh, Frostbreaker is the trauma, um, kind of. Sounds like a sword. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, but we see this dreadnought, um, you know, headed north from from London, uh, plowing through the frozen waste, you know, describing, hey, when the tides changed, when the tides had changed, they changed for all of us, no matter wealth or class. Finally, it is uh, the time has come to build the last city on Earth. So, like, we have fled from London uh, to this crater um, around this generator to basically huddle and try and survive. Mm hmm. Um, and you start off the game with with almost nothing. Right. Again, you have that you have your uh, your core there in the middle, and uh, then you have your resource depot and eighty people. Mm-hmm. You know, including some kids, including some engineers. Right. Um, eighty uh, people sounds like a lot. Not. Nah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really so the way uh, this works. You know, initially you're going to build your you have some initial supplies. You start building your tents. Um, resources in general just start off as in piles. Yeah. Um, you send people to go gather them. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, like a pro strat is, um, to recognize that the piles are generally kind of clumped together a little bit. Um, once you have enough, you can build a gathering depot. Um, and instead of having 15 people per pile, you can just put 10 people in that depot and they will gather from a radius around it. And they'll stay warm. Yes. It's considered a workplace. So like having people just out in the snow, charging back and forth with handfuls of steel is not good. Yeah. Um, you have to start out that way. They, they, putting them in those piles is trying to teach you mm-hmm. um, to start using gathering depots. These piles are finite, however. Um, you're also going to see kind of your future resources. So there are frozen trees, like a flattened forest on the ground around you. Um, you eventually get sawmills to take care of those. Um, and you can also see kind of places where you can dig up coal or places in the wall mm-hmm. where you can kind of dig into the snow wall for later. Yes. <laughs> where you can drill into the wall for snow because, or for, for, for wood rather, because guess what? Um, a lot of this ground is actually um, permafrost that has gathered over forests that existed already. Yeah. Yeah. And steel just kind of happens. <laughs> yeah. There, kinda, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, there's just like off. iron, iron seams, you know, it's yeah. fine. um yeah so you know you're gonna want to start getting those resources and getting yourself propped up a thing about a new home that you're gonna miss on the later uh scenarios is that um you know you start out with those 80 people but it's really generous with new survivors and it kind of send them sends them to you in manageable intervals right mm-hmm. so you don't have an overpopulation problem where you're struggling to feed everybody with limited resources that are available like it lets you grow uh your kind of your city's carrying capacity um in between the rounds of them so like they don't they they don't come in as a burden they come in like ready to work so you can uh again get ready to grow for the next one mm-hmm and you know they're coming. Yeah, yeah. Usually, like, you see them out, and you'll, they'll show up as a little timer on the right side of the screen, so you know to build houses for them and such in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, early on, your kind of initial goal is to find out what happened to this place called Winter Home. Yes. Um, and your initial goal is to get your tech tree set up so you can build a scouting party right. to start digging around. Um, finding Winter Home instigates an event. Yes. Uh, in the game. So it is – the event will happen no matter what, but you don't necessarily want to – rush towards winter home. Right. Um, you know, but just know that you are given these kind of initial goals. Yeah. It's like set things up and also here's your macro goal yeah. for the time. Additionally, uh, your dreadnought, when you were on your way here, it was part of like a broader fleet of them. 
um mm-hmm. you're one of just like a couple of like groups of people who uh who, who were headed this way so like you're you know like families got split up so like as you're uh going out as you're doing your scouting you're going to be finding these survivors you know who were part of your group initially uh these stragglers mm-hmm. so again letting you kind of control um you know how many of these people you're going to get in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah um yeah, so you start. Uh, you start, you're starting up your economy, um, and it, you know, going from gathering piles to gathering huts to, you know, coal thumpers. Eventually, getting you know your your sawmills and the like. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to do this early on for me, wood was always my problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, I had a hard time with wood. Mm-hmm. Um, you're doing this though, and the temperature you know doesn't dip for a while. Like it's pretty gentle. Yeah. You get your scouting, uh, going, and you start scouting, doing that leapfrogging as we mentioned. You get to a location, you find some stuff. It opens up a couple more locations. Yeah. Um, you start flipping around. It's really, you know, so it's really advantageous for you um, to kind of early on um, go further up the scouting tech tree because you can both get more scouts or make them faster, which means mm-hmm. that both you can of just, which makes a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. like it lets you um, cover more ground and get these resources that are just out there waiting for you. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine having just one scout. Yeah. You know, one set. Well, you're just you're picking a direction, and like the distance that these nodes are, uh, the, the the distance between these nodes is important because like that is the time that it takes to get between them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little little pro tip is that when you already know a location, it takes you half as long to get there. Yes. Um, so you it, can. It takes even less time to... than that to get back home too. Yep. So you can always go to like let's say uh, you decided to cut and run and bring your resources back, mm-hmm. like you were at an ice cave, but you spotted a uh, an abandoned factory close mm-hmm. to it that you decided not to check out. Go to the ice cave first, yes, and then make that trip from the ice cave to the abandoned factory. It'll save you time. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, hope and dissatisfaction are like hope is low, but dissatisfaction is low. Right, right. Um, you know that it's and hope will slowly kind of go up and you'll you'll start passing these laws as we mentioned that will affect mm-hmm. these things but you have a lot of wiggle room yeah one thing that i love is as you pass laws um and also every morning you'll get little um dialogue from your townspeople um mm-hmm. you know and it just kind of generally reflects it reflects the mindset so like oh well you know some days are bad some days are good it's about as good as you can expect like if things are just kind of meh uh, down mm. to it's really jarring when like things are really really bad and somebody starts the day by saying i wonder how gloriously our, our captain will fuck things up today like, yeah it's just really yeah. weird to see this game swear like that yeah yeah it, see, it seems out of style yeah. you want to try this asshole <laughs> the um yeah for yeah. sure mm-hmm. um the uh and you'll get these kind of big narrative bumps like when you first build the um the beacon so you can send out scouting parties like it literally just says we needed a win. Yes. You know, like you get a big hope bump because it's like, man, this is an accomplishment and like people <laughs> needed that. Yeah. Um, it does a really good job of selling you these kind of human stakes or this emotional core. Yes. To what you're doing. Um, that, um, that little hope bump is not going to last very long because as you progress toward winter home, you're going to find like, oh, this is an abandoned research facility. Why would they abandon it if the city was still yep. alive and each of those is going to reduce people's hope as news uh comes back that uh success is not exactly as likely not just mm-hmm. that you can't join forces with winter home but like does the same fate await us yes yep so right before this happens right before you find winter home you get an automaton yeah um and then you find winter home and instead of finding a settlement which you think you're going to have like the sister city or whatever mm-hmm. it's totally wiped out Right. Their generator exploded. Um, 
you look at the 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 entry in their chronicle, like all these things have little journals you can read. Mm -hmm. um, it says, you know, God forgive us, we're eating our dead. There's no hope. Oops. Um, and this is the first instigating event of the <laughs> game. Up until this point, you've been playing an, a survival RTS. Um, and, you know, I was doing okay. I wasn't, the thing that this game doesn't signal at all is stockpiling, I feel like, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I had been stockpiling during this time, and when I played it again, I did. Mm -hmm. You know, but while these times are good, you need to be doing that. Um, I wasn't because there wasn't really a reason to. When you head back home, people go apeshit. Like, oh, people yeah. start panicking. Your hope goes all almost all the way down. Your dissatisfaction goes pretty far up. Yeah. Um, and it says, hey here's a new book of laws, you know, how <laughs> yeah. do you, how are you going to deal with this situation? These people losing hope, um, order or discipline. Yeah. So, so you, you or, have like unsealed that particular envelope in the legacy game. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Um, um I and, chose face my first run through. Yes. Um, order my second. Yeah. Faith yeah. seemed a little bit more palatable to me. Um, mm -hmm. even like further up, like I was, I was really fine, like setting up shrines and doing like, um, even for even replacing medicine, <laughs> medicine with like Christian science centers where like mm -hmm. workers were able to heal people a little bit more slowly. Um, I was a little bit fine with that. Whereas order, um, you know, cops are cops, right? Yeah. So it starts off with cops and then eventually becomes secret police and like propaganda. Yeah. yeah, And stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's fairly unsubtle. Whereas faith is just a little bit more subtle. Yeah. Into, until you actually start seeing the effects. Yes. Like once you see the effects, it's like, no, the faith is essentially the same thing. Yes. And thus. Yeah. Um, so here's this. People are uh, kind of talking. You hear these murmurs of like, all right, well, this is a fool's errand. The people who set up these generators had no idea how sustainable, how sustainable this would be. Are we living in a snow casket? Um, mm. And this introduces this new faction. And this is the one hand that the game wants you to look at while it robs you with the other. Um, mm. namely the Londoners, people who say, Hey, the captain is dumb. This idea of living in these generator cities is dumb. We need to go back to London. At least that is an evil and a desperation that we know. Um, yep. who's coming with me. Yep, exactly. And you have, uh, they're going to leave. You have a timer and they have a certain number of people. And at this point, the way that the game presents this to you is a disaster. Yes. Like, like letting these people leave. So it's saying, Hey, this will be terrible right? if these people leave. Why not enact some of these laws to stop them? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they're not satisfied with uh, moonshine. No. In their thing. Like, that's not doing it. And they the choose-your-own-adventure things keep uh, – are, are ramping up now. Right. So, right. like, you'll get these little – you're just kind of trying to play. People are very upset in general, and you'll get a little message. It's like, hey, one of the Londoners was in the bar recruiting people. Mm-hmm. What do you what do, do you about, do about that? that? <laughs> yeah. You know, and if the answer to a lot of it is like nothing. Right. Like at least initially until you get some of these laws on the books, because there's nothing you can do to curb that kind of rabble rousing. Like mm -hmm. it's making you turning you into, you know, like patronizing them, like essentially, you know, knowing what's best for them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, where I'm just like, yeah, I know in my heart of hearts, like London is no good. Right. These people are idiots. I don't want them to die. Mm -hmm. um i need to stop people from being convinced i know better than them yeah and that's um, you know and that's the the intended effect the offended intended feeling mm -hmm. um even if you have the ability to you know send your faith keepers or send your guards after them um that has negative effects for hope right because mm -hmm. people are seeing like all right well all that person did was i don't know like talk 
are we really okay with our captain deciding what we can and can't say? Yep. You know? Um, so like, like there are all these trade-offs, especially early on later on, like, you know, and I think that just the, the, this ties into like the disposition of the lender, the Londoners overall, they become more responsive to kind of like high hope or low dissatisfaction. Like mm-hmm. if you can demonstrate to them that they will be taken care of, that there is a future here, regardless of what weather comes, then just like they will stop recruiting new members. They will hold these uh, demonstrations and nobody will join them. Uh, yep. You can always see the number of Londoners that exist um, off to the side. Um, and you can kind of see whether or not like the disposition is people are joining the Londoners, they're joining them quickly, they're leaving the Londoners or leaving them quickly. Yeah. You just don't know that until my second time through the game, I did not know that it would be enough just to keep setting up my economy. Yes. You know, like it just like, Hey, this guy went to the bar, Mm -hmm. recruited some people, a bunch of people joined him. Yeah. Like that sucks. And getting your hope up is very difficult mm-hmm. um, at this point. Like it's gone down to almost nothing. Your dissatisfaction is very high. Um, you know, and the, what they want you to do again is do the beginning parts of these tech trees. Yes. Like start some churches, start a couple temples and that will get hope up. They do it in tiny, tiny little amounts. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to hammer them whenever they're available. Yeah. Um, and also have the resource game because a bunch of them like to hold a church service. It costs like a bunch of rations. Yeah. You know, things like that. Like you have to um, make sure that your your economy is doing well enough in the first place. Mm-hmm. So the way that like my narrative went with this was I was like, fuck Londoners. Mm-hmm. Like can't have Londoners. Right. So I and also I have the opportunity to open up a law. Why wouldn't I? Right. You know, I don't have to use it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to like necessarily do it. But like, let's make this a law. Mm-hmm. So I followed the faith path, you know, all the way down, not all the way down to the end. <laughs> right. But like into the fashion fascism like had faith keepers yeah you know and they would give you choices and they're just like hey you know this person says they were attacked by this londoner mm-hmm. you know like the inter- the questions are really interesting it's like yeah. you know this person says that a londoner attacked them after they refused to join do you want to send the faith keepers there to talk to them and i'm like yeah that sounds <laughs> yeah. reasonable let's let's call you the know? cops on these neighbors that's fine yeah you know, it sounds, <laughs> sounds reasonable like these guys can't you know again you can't uh, attack my citizens mm-hmm you know, these are my people. I'm protective of them. Um, and the uh, when you go, like, they actually, like, beat him up. Yeah. You know, like, he gets injured and stuff. Like, these are thugs that you have. Um, so it's just, like, very, very interesting. So that's what happened to me. And I ended up going, going whole hog into that. And while I was developing those systems and working with that, I was not storing nuts for winter. Right, right. And that, you know, I was, it was distracting me to kind of constantly be putting out fires with regards to these Londoners. Yeah. As um, opposed to, you know, building storehouses, essentially, which is right. what you just need to be doing the entire game. Mm-hmm. It's constantly building storehouses. Yes. Um, so. And that's a little bit of the gotcha, right? Which is, these are presented as fires. Like mm-hmm. the Londoners deciding to go that 15 minute or 15 day deadline, rather, um is shown as being like all right this is going to be your lose condition yes um something that you would rightly assume uh based on the information is that like every londoner who joins harms the rest of your society in general like okay if there are 50 londoners like that is going to be 50 people who aren't working or are working more poorly no like the number of londoners doesn't actually really affect your economy at all like no. it doesn't affect your survivability. The only way that would possibly happen is if they left, that is just like fewer workers that you have. 
it's a feint. Yeah. Like it is presented as a really, really big deal. Mm -hmm. And it's not. Right. Like the time that I succeeded in this, I just let, you know, I did my best on it, but I let them go. Yeah. You know, some people left and I'm like, fuck them. Yeah. You know, or if you just let them go, like, hey, let them assemble. By the time it by by the time it came for them to leave, when I took that tack, things were good enough. Hope was high enough that they're like, well, shit, things are fine here. Sorry about all that. I'll just kind of fade back into the woodwork if that's okay with you. I was like, mm -hmm. no problem, bud. <laughs> yeah. If 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 you know, yeah, if you if you know what you're doing, you can you can get that high enough. Yeah, for sure. Like otherwise, like I, a couple of them left, and that's also not a big deal. Like it's a right. double faint. Mm -hmm. It's like a faint if you know how to keep them. There is a there is an option for keeping them mm -hmm. that is not presented, and the game is like hammering these levers to try to get you to take the suboptimal path. Yes, for these. And if you uh, and also the consequences are fake because there's a real common enemy, you know, these these people who want to leave are not really a big deal when we have a super storm. Yes. Coming um, again. It's a super cool trick mm -hmm. that they do. It just doesn't work more than once. Right. You know, like what was the what was your first experience with these? So, like, I know that you eventually got to the point where they said, like, did you manage did you keep all of the Londoners without going into fascism on your first try? No. Through this? Like, what was your canon? What was your first playthrough when you did not know the tricks? Oh, my first playthrough, like I was really, really bad. Like, I got exiled, actually. Mm. I got exiled around, like, day 20 or so um, because I refused. Um, I refused to go, like, uh, set up cops, basically. Mm. So more Londoners uh, started wanting to join, and I just kind of let that happen. Um, and like, there are times where you can like send people out to like, take them, take down their graffiti or whatever. My economy was just so mismanaged that the Londoners were not what killed me. It was just general dissatisfaction and people dying because like mm. the thing about hope is, um, if that, that goes down the most when people die. So if you're not ready for the cold, um, people are just going to be dying left and right. Um, and your hope is going to bottom out. And if they keep on dying, that is like not really a situation you can, you can fix in the, um, in the two days that they give you for the ultimatum. Yeah. You can't come back. From yeah, that really. yeah. Like you need a huge infrastructure to like start reheating everything. Yeah. So like my actual first playthrough, once I, you know, hit that, once I hit that point, it was like, I don't see a way out of this. I didn't get a game over. I just started a new one. I was like, mm. all right, the first round of these is going to be like your first waffle or your first pancake. It's going to be, it's going to go in the garbage, you know, don't get mm. attached. That was I kind of you my said that before, but I always kind of land pancakes on the first try. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, it's not a brag. I just didn't know it was a common thing to, to fuck a, up a first pancake. That's yeah, a thing. That's a thing. Is it? I just didn't know. Yeah. No, good, good, good for you. You waste less oh, batter. It's, it's a weird, weird batter brag. <laughs> Gary Batterfield bragging about his batter. Yeah. But, you know, it just, uh, I just didn't, I, you said it in something else too. I can't remember what it was about, but I was always like, oh, huh, like, yeah, I guess people are throwing away pancakes. Who yeah. Know? People are. Yeah. No, so yeah. Some, sometimes like my, my problem is the batter is too thick. Um, mm. you know um because you want it to be thin so they get crispy but you want to be you know to be too thin that they just kind of like you know spread all over the place but if it's yeah. too thick then it just becomes it kind of becomes a biscuit almost yeah you know, like that. too much yeah I, I added some additional water to the pancake mix i had uh and i overshot it and they became like weird shitty crepes <laughs> <laughs> like they were just like it was still like pancake matter so you could still eat them but it yeah, wasn't yeah. Like, you know just like garbage crepes like they would look like crepes from a distance <laughs> and then like 
Gordon Ramsay would summarily shoot me in the fucking eye. Oh yeah. If I said, don't you? <laughs> like, well, like, um, yeah, so, so the donkey, do, you know? do you ever get those bottles of, uh, kind of like shake, uh, yeah, it is like, I don't know if they're biscuit branded, but like just as a little bottle, you add water to, you shake it up, you pour it out. It's like, it's breakfast for dinner in a bottle. Yeah, um, I love those things. However, uh, the most recent one of those I, I got, because it had been forever since I'd done it. Um, I forgot to let the air out. <laughs> oh, they explode. Yes, they do. They're bombs. <laughs> so, like, they're, they're essentially zombies at my neighbor's weapon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so I'm still finding little bits of uh, little bits of pancake batter, like, you know, by outlet covers and such. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it didn't actually explode. It exploded when I opened it. Is the thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they just they, they did not do well. Yeah. So, so. Yeah. Um, but no, that was, was that. That was my first go through. Was that was that the Londoners didn't take me down. It was just the the conditions that led to the Londoners. Yeah, it was just bad yeah. conditions yeah. and stuff. It's just interesting. Like so, as, as yeah, it's it's just an interesting setup. Mm -hmm. Like knowing you know, and it's interesting how like unlike many strategy games, how this has a canonical version like in my head i later went through and did this right but it doesn't feel like the real version of it to me no no you know since i knew like i was just like oh like this didn't haha -ha, i don't care about you londoners like <laughs> i'm on you like the game's like you know this is a major threat mm -hmm. in like serious font yeah and stuff and i'm like no it's not <laughs> you know we're, we're playing the game frostpunk i don't i know what's up <laughs> yep. i know what's coming yeah, um it's yeah. just a weird construct i don't can't think of any other games like that other than like board games where mm -hmm. it's like the you know, first time is what counts this is really board gamey board gamey yeah it's exceedingly board game like this could be um could be a board game i would be i would be really surprised if they weren't working on one there is a yeah. uh there's a board game version of this war of mine i have no yeah. idea if it's good or not but there is a fun adaptation decay it would get, get ourselves a copy of that mm -hmm. um so Essentially, like you, you can just kind of keep tending your economy and things will work itself out mm -hmm. and not push into fascism. You can push into fascism and get rid of them, which is what I did. And I got uh, all the Londoners like I stomped and or converted all the Londoners. Yes. Yeah. No, my my, my, my second playthrough was I had gone far enough to get the faith keepers. And mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, all right. Well, you want to go? Well, there's going to be a fight. Yeah. 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 And it feels good. Mm -hmm. Like you're not supposed to feel good about it but yeah. it does feel good to be like hey you guys are fucking with my shit like yeah. i'm having a hard enough time spinning these plates stop shaking the table i mean and if, so, and if somebody's going to be drinking poison in front of me i might have to slap that poison out of their hand you know totally like that's the you know they put you in that situation yeah um so after as you're kind of setting these these things up and continuing to develop your economy or neglecting it or not developing it smart enough right which really like i had good uh resource gathering things i just didn't have storehouses yeah yeah well i mean what like why would you singular, like, like yeah you don't need them yeah it feels again, wasteful like surpluses feel wasteful yeah and there's just really not until you know there's something so while this was happening i was not building those things up mm -hmm. um eventually um you know the, the londoners stay or whatever or they go mm -hmm. or you can force them to stay um which injures a bunch of them um or you can let them go when you lose some hope right along with your population Roughly around the same time, engineers spot a huge storm on the horizon. Right. And this is your second, this is it stealing your wallet wallet distraction. <laughs> right. Uh, this is the actual game ending thing. Yes. Yes. Um, and you get this insane goal to stockpile a week's worth of stuff. Right. Like cool. we need to not take things in for a week. Mm -hmm. yep. We need to be able to hunker down. Um, that uh, requires us to have a certain amount of coal. That requires us to have a certain amount of food. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives you like the numbers that you need to hit and they seem astronomically high. They're ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like every time the game does this, I'm like, excuse me? Like, <laughs> we don't operate in, in terms of thousands of food. No, in no. This, uh, in this we, zone. We, we have enough. <laughs> like yeah. how much food do we have? We have enough. And you can, so I did my best to get these, but I had spent so much time fucking around with the Londoners. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know to build, uh, I probably just wasted so much of everything because I didn't have stockpiles, mm-hmm. didn't build enough storage things. Yeah. Um, so when the storm came, I had not reached those goals, but the game doesn't end no. or anything like that. You go through this insane death march <laughs> where everyone is, is just getting colder and colder and colder. The music is whipping up. Um, your guy, your people can't work. I didn't have the tech infrastructure to keep places available to work. And I don't know that you can, you can insulation yeah. is incredibly important. Um, okay. so if you research enough of that and like at, at this point I was like tearing buildings down and putting them closer to the generator. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really riding the throttle on the, uh, the overdrive to keep things going. You just have to. So the first, the first time I did it, the second time I did it, I did, did those things. Mm-hmm. The, the, or the, the first, so the second time I did it, I gained enough stuff. I didn't, I met the goals, mm-hmm. like the, the stockpiles yeah, yeah, and stuff. And my getting additional uh, supplies came from my outpost. The first time everything was too cold to work. Mm-hmm. So I was just in this kind of death spiral. Yeah. As was, everybody was like, they, they, they had assumed like they, they, they laid in their beds, crossed their arms so that their corpses could be recovered later. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it just kind of go. The music's whipping up. The storm is whipping up. It's really, really phenomenal pace. Like you know, pacing and mood and everything feels great here. Yeah. And descent is rising incredibly fast as people are dying. Right. And my hope is lowering. And I'm like, fuck it, ex- executions. Like we need to lower descent. <laughs> but I so can't... you're executing people in the middle of the blizzard? Yes. That is so dramatic. Yeah. Tons of them. It was amazing. It was, so here's the thing that sucks about it. So I'm executing people. There's a cooldown in executing people, but I was just like, give me more people. Like I'm trying to survive, uh-huh. right? Um, executing people and stuff. I lose the game uh, with like what looks like a fucking, like, you know, when in an RPG, when you hit somebody and they have one hit point left mm-hmm. and it looks like they have no hit points left. Oh shit. I had really? that much time until the dawn. Oh no. And I lost. Um, what, what and, was the lose condition? Did it just everybody died? No, I got, yeah, yeah, everybody died. Okay. I lost my population. Hmm. So like nobody, yeah, nobody, nobody survived the blizzard. So I don't know if it actually went through and like the screen faded to a lose hmm. thing. So I wasn't watching all, I was panicking and trying to execute people fast enough to keep them happy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as, as the, like you were just like, as the Russians marched on the bunker. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, just desperately trying to do that. So like, you know, you can't, uh, you spend a week or so in mega blizzard. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, um, the only things that are actually shut down. So hunters can't hunt your, uh, grow houses, uh, can't work. And, mm-hmm. uh, if you think, okay, I've got enough coal, um, and people can continue working at that. The, uh, the, the air gets so cold that, uh, the mines start collapsing. Um, yep. and you have to like sacrifice people in order to keep those operational. Yep. Um, so that you can like rely on cash flow because if you're not insulated and if you are not like cannily managing your generators uh levels, um, then you are going to run out. Like the the number they tell you is a lie. Yes. Yeah, you actually need way more than that. Yeah. Um 
and you uh, you have this overdrive on your 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 thermal core mm-hmm. um, that you can hit, and it causes the meter to go up to a hundred. Um, and then when you turn it off, uh, it lowers slowly mm-hmm. and it increases the heat level, and you can kind of change this through your tech tree. Yeah. So I'm like writing that if you neglect that for a little while, it overloads. You get a section where you can sacrifice a steam core or a child. <laughs> I love that those to, are equal. Uh, to keep that going. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so my point is I got to this thing and I did all of the things, like all of the evils the game wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. Like I was publicly executing people left and right. I had already started a, uh, a faith militant. I uh, sent somebody into the collapsing mine. I sent a steam core into the thing, into the, my thing, and then still died like a, a millisecond before the dawn. Mm-hmm. And then the game just ends. That is so and it was, it was weird. It's yeah. like extremely heightened. It took me a long time to come to peace with it. Like I didn't want to play yeah. the game for a while. Right. Like I was, I was like, man, for something with permadeath and this kind of situation, that is such a long iterative loop mm-hmm. for me just to start the game over again. Even with the knowledge I have now, like one, I won't have those surprises. And like that thing I keep talking about in this episode where I'm like, you don't have the extent the intended experience twice. Mm hmm was true like when i played it again i did not have nearly as dramatic or emotionally a time emotional a time like it was pretty calm the second time i played through i knew what was coming mm-hmm. you know and knew what to do yeah so it was like i guess that's my canonical frostpunk i think you so know, i think that's really just, appropriate actually it, <laughs> yeah it took me a long time to like i said it took me a long time to come to peace with it because it yeah it feels bad to lose mm-hmm. like it is an appropriate um ending for things and to sacrifice everything and still lose is something that games don't do and right. something that narratives don't do right. very often. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up kind of liking it as my ending yeah. because it was really, really intense. Like my heart rate was through the roof. Like I was just like <laughs> frantically like clicking on, you know, church services, church services. Like how do I <laughs> meters going as people are just in just death, 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 death. Like it's yeah. just showing up on the bottom of the screen, you know, and I was just like, fuck man, like this is the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I had, I, I think it would have been, it's the game's credit. Like if I had made it with doing all those things, mm-hmm. right. Like, and it would like what had maybe, you know, two minutes might've had to survive more. Like it was barely anything. Yeah. Right? I like get yeah. the maximum. If I had survived just a little bit longer, which would have been like one storehouse, mm-hmm. you know, what it would have made the difference. Then I would have got the ending that was like, Hey, you went through all that stuff. Don't you feel like a shithead for like public <laughs> executing people? Yeah. And I would have been like, fuck you. Like that was so hard. Mm-hmm. I just barely made it. Like I would have been mad about it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So in a weird way, like losing was the appropriate ending for the intended experience of the first game. It felt like, I think so. Yeah. And like the ending I got felt good. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, you know, but it just took a long time to chew on. Yeah. I guess to get there. Yeah, so, uh, you know, and, you know, is it okay that it took that long to get there, right? Yes. Because we're not, I mean, it's, it's not something I'm used to, which is, you know, revising my judgment on a game, you know, based on the same experience after that amount of time, right? Like, you can revise your judgment after you play it again. But, mm-hmm. like, to sit on a thing that it showed you and decide, is that okay or not? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. It's not a common experience, not a common occurrence. I mean, no, for- it, it- I just can't decide about it. Like when we say, is it okay that it has that loop? I don't know the answer to that. Right. You know, it's like, it still ends up being a game I really loved and a really singular experience, but it does feel like a done in one. Yeah. Kind of thing for me. For me. um, So my first go was really bad. Like I said, the first time I got to the blizzard, I got through it. 
like it felt like I just barely made it. Um, but you know, the combination of the music, the visual effect of the lens freezing on your camera as it, as, mm-hmm. as it goes, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then just like watching my meters go down and responding to responding to those crises that popped up, like surviving that blizzard is, you know, especially on your first go or your first attempt at the blizzard, I guess. Um, it's one of my favorite experiences in games. Honestly, it was so harrowing and I felt like I was getting through it. You know, I, I felt my fingernails separating from the, my fingers by how hard I was holding on to it. Um, mm. yeah, that was amazing. Like I, I loved mm. getting there. It took one garbage run to get to that point. Um, and even going with it, going at it with knowledge of the twist that was going to be coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, as regards the Londoner specifically, um, I still felt like it was difficult to hit the numbers that it was asking me to do. So it didn't feel tremendously diminished, even though I had, you know, foreknowledge of what was going to happen mm-hmm. for me. Like it's definitely, it's yeah, it's definitely something where like it's still hard. Yeah, you know, to do. It's just like for me, it's having that kind of like no knowing the goals all up front takes a lot of the specialness from it. Mm-hmm. For me, like it becomes a difficult task that I knew about as opposed to this question about what I am willing to sacrifice. Yeah. And how do I deal with the unknown? It, like runs... it makes it a fundamental different, like kind of ludic question. Yeah, I guess it runs counter to like the weight and import that those decisions both should have and what they're sold to you as, as having. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like it doesn't make it bad or anything. It just makes it like. Like, I can still imagine it still being very good. And it's not like I didn't have fun on my subsequent playthroughs. Um, and even the um, the scenarios, once you know there is a twist, mm-hmm. I feel like it takes some of that weight out. Yeah. Like, I just knew, like, something was going to happen. Like, um, But it did make it, like, less unique. Yeah. Like, to me, my first run of Frostpunk is the unique special thing that only this video game can do. <laughs> right. Every subsequent run has been a good survival strategy game. Yes. You know, yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at too, which is like I could stop recording this and I could just go play the new home scenario over the course of three hours right afterwards. I would have a lot of fun doing it. I just wouldn't mm-hmm. have a lot more to say about it because the game yeah. has already said what it's needed to, yep, which is which is a worthwhile, cool thing to say, yeah, you know, like even though I feel a little bit like gotcha y about it about some of the things it's saying, like it is interesting to ask that question, like, and actually put you in a situation where, where, what will you sacrifice mm-hmm. and for what, Yeah, you know, where are your personal skills? And I, I think for the most part, with the exception of a couple of, again, those tricks, for the most part it is a good faith asking of that question. Yes. That's told by this game yeah. in a way that I think is pretty rare in video games. Yeah. And that it is like a tragedy, like in the classic sense, which is you do make those choices. You do sacrifice, you do give up that part of yourself either as a character or as a player, you know, saying, yes, it was acceptable to go to these lengths when ultimately you find out you didn't have to, you know, like neither Romeo nor Juliet had to die. Um, Ending of mist. Yes. Or the mist rather. Yes. You know, like he didn't have to shoot all the, he didn't have to shoot his family. Yeah. You know, didn't have to do it. He did. (laughs) Yes. You know, and it's like, it's interesting that projected in like a game's context is much different than that through a narrative context. Like, that is a short story ending mm-hmm. to something, but as a game that requires so much more time and everything like that, it's a little bit less easily. It yeah. makes it more special, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like, it's one of those things too, where like I came away from this thinking, I really like this and I'm glad more games are not like it. Yeah. 
Like this can exist singularly along with, to a lesser degree, this war of mine mm-hmm. and other kind of desperate games uh, that simulate this. But I'm glad that it's not in Starcraft. Yeah. Like I'm glad. It's, and it's not like Starcraft. It's not like I need everything to be baby, baby spoon fed to me. Like Starcraft isn't easy necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's just these tricks are like they lose the, lose their efficacy if they were reused too often. Yeah. You know, and that way that extends across multiple playthroughs of Frostpunk mm-hmm. and multiple scenarios and would definitely extend across multiple games. Yeah. This can be this. Can be, yeah. And this can, this can be, be rare. This. And that can be special. Yep. Definitionally. Yeah. Yep. It can it's going to be a while before I am hungry for another game that does a similar trick to this. I am already starving for it. <laughs> yeah, well, it doesn't exist. Yeah, no, I mean, oh, it, so just, sorry. Yeah. I I I I started that sentence in the middle of your mean. sentence. Yes, I am horny for it. I'm just like yeah. the, 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 this has reawakened the ravening beast inside me that wants these management sims. Like yeah. I want to load up RimWorld and forget everything I know about oh. the person who made it. I don't mean the um the 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 genre. I mean the the tricks. Yes, yeah, that, that, like, that, that like, that's a thing. That I yeah. started my sentence like we we are both hungry for different things. Yeah, I just I I, I well, I'm not hungry for it. I don't want it. Yeah. I'm happy that I had it. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't need this that often. Like in a couple of years, another mm-hmm. game do this to me. Yeah. Well, I'm you not know, hungry and... for the thing you're not hungry for. <laughs> the, the, uh, well, I like management sims. <laughs> yeah. Like I'll play, you know, in, you know, give me another management sim at some yeah. point. That's fine. I like management sims. I just mean specifically the thing this does that makes it above and beyond like prison architect. Yes. Right. Which like also deals with some of those questions, but in a more abstract sense. Yes. Um, You know, and doesn't try to trick you. Like prison architect is much more. Oh, it is Here's so on of, the face. It's super on the face. Here's a set of systems. We're going to invite you to think about these systems in a way you maybe haven't before <laughs> in a way that says something about our prison system. Yes. But not like, oh, halfway through the warden integrates your prison to be a, a gender neutral prison or something. Right. Right. You know, where it's like, oh, like, how do you deal with mixing these populations? Right. It's not doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think yeah. that's the thing that sets us apart and why I like this. Like, I like RimWorld and I like... um prison architect in those games and this is the thing that makes me this is my favorite one of these games is because it has this bonus patina of like a very special trick yeah and when i was gushing about this online people were saying like oh my gosh i love i love frostpunk specifically because it is limited because you know it does have an ending um and i think that that is you know i'm like yes civ civ ends right you know somebody launches a nuke or somebody goes to space etc but like that is still more open-ended than like this death storm is coming and it doesn't you know it does not care about you Um, Mm -hmm. it does not care if you're ready or not like i like i like those i like civ game i like games that this gets compared to Mm -hmm. um but not nearly as much and part of it is that ending and part of it is i just think this does more interesting stuff yeah you know, and it's also like having as much as the UI, we complained a lot about that in the presentation, having everything under your dominion fit on one screen is really big. Yes. And this too, like you're just managing something that feels manageable. Mm-hmm. Like it makes the stakes feel personal and makes the the UI and the actual mechanics of what you're doing feel manageable. Yeah. In a way that's pretty special. Mm-hmm.
good ass game. I love it um, so much. It comes with some scenarios that uh, kind of like hit different levers. Yes. So like we're going to talk about these and talk about the narrative twists and stuff that happened in them, but the basic mechanics are largely the same. Yeah, yeah. In these, they're just different short stories that are designed to kind of emphasize different parts of of the main Frostpunk experience. Yes. So we're going to start with the Arcs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so this involves uh, a generator city that was founded by some researchers from Oxford. I have Cambridge here, but uh, I, <laughs> I think people get uh, upset if you mix those up. Um <laughs> Yes. Uh, so they're attempting to preserve these seeds, you know, seeds from around the world from this relent- relent- relentless cold, hoping that just these life forms don't die out forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When, when eventually if spring ever happens again, people are going to need plants. Right. So they've created these seed structures uh, called arcs. Mm-hmm. And you have these uh, kind of set up in uh, a ring around your your core like at a distance yeah it's not a ring they're they're at like varying distances like there's one that's way far out there and you have to work really hard to make sure that one doesn't die yeah they can't get too cold right if they stay if they stay too long past chili then the seeds will start to degrade right um so your primary mission starting out is uh keep these arcs alive the wrinkle is that your city you have 46 people and you don't get any more. Nope. And all of them are engineers. You get one yep. worker later on, but um, yeah, it doesn't make that big of a difference. Yep. And usually you think of engineers as the ones that can do the extra stuff as being all inclusive. But this mm-hmm. is where you realize like, oh, an they engineer can't, can't handle hunt. Yeah, yeah, they can't hunt. Like I have to research vegetables mm-hmm. or I'm fucked. Yeah. You know, got to build those hot houses. Get up on that lichen. Yep. Look that slime off that rock. Yeah. Yep. um and you get uh and so you do you can't perform these certain tasks and you have um a limited number of people so you're going to want robots yep you get one automaton at the beginning um and the game is really really generous with steam cores like you're you're tripping over these things as long as you can dedicate the engineers to scout this is the only scenario where engineers can act as scouts that's one thing they let you do um good the scouts are the scouting in this is very different than the other game because there are a lot more leapfrogs with nothing. Mm-hmm. Like you get somewhere, they say, Hey, there's nothing here, but we can see two other locations. Yes. So you're going to have these people out for a long time. By definition, you mm-hmm. can't send them back because they're empty handed. Right. At this point, there's no reason to. So your scouting missions are very, very long loops <laughs> on getting these additional cores. And eventually your, your initial goal is to get the plants to build automatons. Yes. Um, so getting that is very tricky. Like mm-hmm. it's a long loop. Yeah. Um, and it makes them incredibly precious. Like when you find a steam core, that means that all of a sudden 10 people don't have to work in coal mines anymore. Those yep. 10 people are freed up to, I don't know, research so you can get more stuff. Be faster. engineers. Yeah. Be, be yeah. engineers. Like, you know, research a more efficient uh, version of these resource things. Like you are trying to stand up an economy with less than one tenth of what you have at the end of a new home. Yep. Yeah. And less than what you have at the beginning of a new home. Yes. You know, very, very tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, also pe- nobody can die. So like any laws that you might have that would people that would, you uh, don't want anyone to die. R- yeah. That's the thing. It, so it, it's, it's not, not a loose like, condition. Yeah. Sorry about it, that. It's not like, you know, death has died <laughs> and you know, hell is full and they start sending people back. It doesn't turn into crosspunk zombies. No, you don't no. want anyone to die. No, because, because you're not going to be replenished. You're not going to be going out and finding, uh, you know, other survivors who are, you know, huddling in caves and whatnot. Like if they're gone, they're gone forever. Yep. And it doesn't tell you that there's no real reason for you not to find survivors right. in this. Like you could still find people that come to your house. That's kind of like, 
it's not a uh, it's not a trick or anything like that. It is just kind of a thing you just have to know. It's just, it, it feels manufactured, it. which is it makes yeah, sense. Like, manufactured. This is not a main scenario. This is specifically a challenge run, which is how do you like basically how do you build a city with these extreme limits on your population? Yeah. Yep. So it, it is okay, but it is a thing where if you just go into this as soon as you possibly could go into it, you might be thinking like, why am I not getting any more people? Mm-hmm. And reasonably think so. Yes. Um, so the twist of this is that as you're scouting, or eventually I think a scout just kind of like comes to you, like a, you know, somebody is like, Hey, um, our city's dying, New Manchester. Uh, they've kind of got the opposite of your problem. Uh, they have no mm-hmm. technology. Their city is teeming with people. The resources are mismanaged. The storm is coming. Like in this scenario, you see the storm right away and you have a longer window, uh, to prepare. Mm-hmm. Um, they are going, you know, New Manchester is absolutely going to die if they don't get yep. any help. And you get hints of this, like you send your scouts out and they see like the weak cook fires and you mm-hmm. see abandoned outposts they've had. Yeah. You know, things like that. Like they are fucked. Mm-hmm. They're exceedingly fucked. So the choice here becomes, do you concentrate on your mission, mm-hmm. save the seeds, or do you start sending care packages to New Manchester? Right. Um, initially I was like, yeah, fuck new Manchester. Like again, greater good. And also, you know, I'm not doing super good. Mm-hmm. And the game gives you a lot of attempts to reconsider this. Yes. Well, like it gives guy, you a lot of, a lot of attempts to reconsider both paths actually. Yeah. Yeah. Actually that's true. Yeah. Because even once you do it, people say like, Hey, actually, yeah, we have to concentrate on the siege. You're being pulled in these two different directions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it can end in either, either way. Mm-hmm. Um, new Manchester requires ridiculous help. Um, you need to send them like the numbers you're getting even to save up for. It's like, Oh, you need 8,000 coal. Yeah. No, excuse me. Yeah. And then it's like, Oh, new Manchester needs 6,000 coal. <laughs> like fucking excuse me. Yeah. Oh, you not know? only that, um, to send them help, you have to send an automaton. So you're losing one yep. of those. Yep. Until the end where you have to send them four. Yep. <laughs> um, pretty bonkers. Yeah. Um, pretty bonkers stuff. This one I managed to ace on the first try, yeah. but by the skin of my teeth. Yeah. This took a couple um, of tries for me. Um, and you, you don't get those. Um, you're not really dealing with hope and dissatisfaction. In this one very much. Not really. Your population you don't have is children. not big enough for that. Yeah. You don't have children. You don't have child labor laws. So it's a reduced rule set. Like you don't have the authoritarian angle. Right. Um, something that I love about this in terms of the pacing is like the scout from new Manchester comes to you. Like after you've had a couple of days of homeostasis, like Mm -hmm. realistically you could have set up a self-sustaining society with engineers who are free to just complete the tech pool. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like, all right, well, yeah, like this is doable. I'm weathering these storms. I feel like I'm getting the number of resources and then boom, you have to account for resources for a population that is, you know, an order of magnitude bigger than yours. Yep. Yeah. And that you could arguably abandon morally. Yes. Like you could abandon them and say, like, it says like, Hey, you can't do that. But then Mm -hmm. as soon as you say, well, no, okay, I'll help them. Someone comes and presents the counter argument. That's like, Hey, they fucked themselves up. (laughs) We're literally again, the future of life on earth. Right. You know, is what we're trying to protect here. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Like super cool, super cool, uh, interesting kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fun too, because like getting over that population, um, uh, limitation is a real hurdle, especially if you're coming from a new home where they're just throwing people at you left and right. Yeah. You know, like it, yeah. like at that point, it didn't really feel like people were a resource after the first few days. Right. Mm-hmm. You just, you like in a new home, every scenario, I generally had a labor surplus mm-hmm. in this one. Not the case. Not the case. Um, very good. Mm-hmm. 
Um, my favorite one is the next one, the refugees. The refugees um, is very good. Yeah, this is my favorite of the the scenarios. I think this is the most interesting setup, even including the new home one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as long, like it doesn't do do that thing, but I think it is just a very interesting situation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what happens is you're leading this group of lower class people, commoners, the common clay of the earth, um, and they would have been left to die in London uh, because all the dreadnoughts, or at least the ones that were remaining, they were uh, kind of earmarked for the lords, for the nobility. So yep. they said, fuck that. What have they ever done? They hijacked a dreadnought and took it and took their generator. Yes. Which, of course, I love. Yep. Because hell yes. <laughs> yeah. Fuck the lords. You know? <laughs> There's that uh that classics of game thing with the Witcher one. Oh yeah, the lords are coming. Shove off. <laughs> Who can help the lords? Fuck off. Like, it's just like Carol. Just yeah. shut up. It's, it's very good. Just a little kid. I always think about that with this. The lords are coming. Shove off. <laughs> um. So in this one, you start out with a good number of people, but there mm-hmm. are families, like lots of kids. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I couldn't do this one. This is the one I beat, but could not beat without doing compromises. Same. Um, so I'm like, yes, child labor. I have too many kids to not get them to work in the kitchens. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck yeah, child labor. <laughs> um, so you have like a good number of people. And uh, if you manage your space well, you're okay. Like the, the rest of your refugees show up mm-hmm. as you come up. You have to feed them. It's tricky. Um, but you well, well, I, I, I want to uh, highlight that space is a real issue in this. The map is oh, yeah. smaller here. Um, mm-hmm. I, I forget which of the endless mode maps this is, uh, but like you just have less space to build. And unless you're managing, the, managing things really well, you just like will not have room for houses. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, you can, you can make it work though. Mm-hmm. Like you can get people here, you get all of your refugees. And again, you have that feeling of like, okay, I know what to do, but of course, you know, the frost punk is going to frost punk. Yeah. <laughs> um, you get these initial refugees that show up and it's like, okay, these areas are fine. Um, and the first one that shows up might even be kind of welcome. Mm-hmm. The first set of refugees. Um, and these are also, uh, you know, these are just normal refugees and they might be like, okay, I want the workers. Yeah. You know, I, we can handle this, but then they start showing up sick. Yeah. And it's, you get a choice. You can say like, you know, I'm rejecting these people. I'm accepting them or only the able-bodied can come in, which is as like nasty a thing as you've had to do in this game. It's basically eugenics under yeah. a different name and a slightly different flavor. Yep, it's really nasty. Yeah. Like, if you're sick, you can't enter the city. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty gross. But, you know, again, like, had to do it, right? Like, had to be pretty nasty until eventually the lords show up. Yep. Uh-oh. Yeah, they didn't have a dreadnought, but they uh, they bootstrapped themselves. Uh, yep. And here they come. Uh, and you can see them coming from a while away, too. Like, yep. your beacon says, um, okay, well, we might have to deal with this, and they're going to come here, try and reassert the old order at best. At worst, they're going to put all of us to death, because what we've been trying to do is create an equal society, uh, and that cannot survive with their presence. Yeah, you can't have a lord no. in an equal society. No gods, no like kings. A whole, yeah, a whole bunch of frosty Elon Musks <laughs> showing up, like, just, like, thousands of them yeah. on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, so they show up and you can accept them. And this is you deciding like, what kind of society do you want to make? Like, do we want to actually try to be equal? And if you let them in, like your people do not like it. No. These were their oppressors and the Lords initially are grateful. And then they start trying to reassert this dominance 
because wealthy people are inherently bad and broken. Yeah. Like they'll say, um, oh, I don't want to work. And yeah. it can be, you know, like the, like it's the case. You can say, no, I'm going to force you to work, in which case he starts, you know, becomes an agitator. Or you can say, all right, take a take a day off. Dissatisfaction rises greatly because yeah. fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty nasty. Yeah. Um, and um, like the, the Lords also have like poets and stuff. So like, you know, that, that also like, do they, they, they end up becoming like really effective propagandists against you if you try and, uh, if you try and, you know, put them down, uh, mm -hmm. and you can deal with this except more of them keep coming. Uh, they start outnumbering your people. And then at the very end, a caravan arrives with the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, Lord Craven, which cool yes. name, bro. Yeah, it's a little on the nose. Um, Smith didn't we should work. Have, should have mentioned this. We didn't mention it. And the arcs, you don't have access to uh, faith or order, but here you do. Yes. So this is the one I had to win by becoming 1984. Mm. Like, yeah, if Lori, like those poets got strung up. Yeah. So those poets could not be suffered to live. <laughs> um, so Lord Craven arrives and he's king absolute shit. Yeah. You know, fuck yeah. mountain. He shows up. And you, your citizens are going to be like, well, we can't let that asshole in. No. Um, in fact, yeah. um, if you're going to let him in, we're going to have a full-on class struggle on our hands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is, you know, I had my, uh, once he's in, you know, I let him in on my my playthrough. There's an option to not have them in, which we'll talk about. Um, let them in. I let them in. And it was like, my people were like, we're going to fucking execute that guy. And then I had secret police. And I was like, no, you're not. Yeah. You know, like. I'm the God King of this. And I was able to, you know, forcibly kind of integrate people, but not really smooth things over. Yeah. Um, through using my secret police. Um, there's also an ending where they do execute Craven. Um, you know, and that's fine. Cause that's one dude right. and he's inarguably a super shitty person. Yeah. And he tries you to know? turn it around on you. He both sides you as you're, as yeah. you're killing him, which unfortunately it makes him a bit of a martyr. It doesn't have a long, um, you know, a long effect on you. But uh, but mm -hmm. he says, like, ah, yes, how the tables have turned. Haven't you noticed that the commoners have become the lords and the lords of the commoners? It's like, yeah, nah, you actually, like, led a bunch of this. Yeah, um, systemic violence is violence. <laughs> yeah. Um, additionally, <laughs> also, like, he's got, like, kids on his side. He's using kids kind of as human shields or moral shields. It's pretty great. Like, yeah. he's actually a really, like, fucked up, irritating villain. Yeah. And tying him into systems like this, it's like he's not just a villain because of what he says it's not a kingdom hearts character saying like, I'm the organization. Aren't I evil? It's somebody fucking up my economy of a thing I'm trying to like manage. Yes. Like if I'm trying to spin plates and you're going to, you know, hip check me, like mm -hmm. don't try to do the hustle with me while I'm spinning plates. Yeah. That turns you into the ultimate, uh, villain, you know? Yes. You're dooming a bunch of people for your ego. Yes. Yeah. No. Um, so you can also just reject the Lords mm -hmm. and that's like, I like again, how this game tends to, like often will ask good faith questions that's not the fail condition. No. Like no. if you're like, you know, fuck this, that isn't the tisk tisk at the end of the ending credits. Um, they can be like, yeah, you decided not to, mm -hmm. you know, and start society over your way. And it's not really presented as like, aren't you an asshole? Yeah. Um, the compromise here is when you do this, um, your citizens say like, Hey, they're, they start up a, set up an outpost out to the city and they're like, they're going to attack. Mm -hmm. Like we can't allow the Lords there. So you have to get it, do a big resource push yeah. to mount an offensive against them. Yeah. So it doesn't just take away the cost of their presence by, yes. by denying them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, that's really, again, I think that's really good. I think this is the most interesting situation um, it presents. Yeah. It's just, I love this like idea of, you know, 
do you decide to get vengeance? Like, is it fuck those guys? Or are you going to try to turn the other cheek? Mm-hmm. And then once I made the decision, what I thought was like, okay, well, I'll turn the other cheek. Like, we're all equal now in Snowland. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't. And yeah. I had to turn to really, really compromised methods to make that the case because yeah. it didn't work out that way. Like, people weren't just going to forget about those resentments yeah. instantly. My ultimately successful version of this scenario, um, I didn't go full fascist. However, um, I, like Lord Craven did have to die. Like mm-hmm. that was the only way, like my meters were not in a place where it could be like, all right, well, he's going to be here and our dissatisfaction is low enough and our hope is high enough that that's just going to be okay. Like, it, you know, he doesn't have power over you anymore. You know, like the, the, the new order has not the new order, uh, but you know, the new way has established itself and you know, you're just fine. No, he had to be executed. Yeah. Had um, to go. Yeah. Sometimes people gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> um so uh we didn't talk about this in detail but I, I on one hand i like the ending because it shows you a time lapse of your um of your city building out oh on, yeah on the other hand uh the little narration that it gives you um in text describing what you did or describing kind of the broad strokes of the scenario um is incredibly judgmental over really dumb things yeah <laughs> like and you made them work a little bit more than they would have had to otherwise yeah. you fed yep, yep. them soup yeah, yeah they had to eat soup and that's the problem <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy how soup is considered a real like morally dodgy thing in this game yeah this game, and, this game i think i don't think i've ever played a video game that takes such a strong position on soup <laughs> but like if you invent soup dissent will rise yep is a, is a fucking like try explaining that to somebody from gen pop like try to explain <laughs> that somebody who doesn't understand games or someone who does i, 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 like, I really th- so i i honestly think things would have been better if that was just called gruel because like yeah, that, when when yeah. when you put in when you when you enact the soup law, what what soup does is it, it lets you turn raw food into more rations at the expense mm-hmm. of just you know dissatisfaction every time people eat. Um, when you sign that, people say, "Oh my god!" Like back in London, all I ever had was gruel and empty promises, and you're giving me this shit again. Like it makes a little bit of sense, but like I think, God, just like a good lentil soup, fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it'll be good soup. We're not putting corpses in it yet. <laughs> Like cool, but if but you keep acting up, yeah. Do you, yeah, do you want an alternative food source? Because that's how we get alternative food sources. I'll turn this goddamn car around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's very funny. But, but, uh, yeah. um, the the final uh, scenario um, is the DLC one. Yes. Um, which is a prequel. It's called The Fall of Winter Home. We know Winter Home. Mm-hmm. We went there and it, they started eating their dead, and it was it's what caused our first game to get so fucked up. It's real bad. Um, and it's yep. kind of interesting. Like you kind of know that success is not very likely when you start the main game. Here you know it's impossible. Yeah. Um, I like the fall of Winter Home quite a bit. It's it's a really interesting challenge. It reminds me of those SimCity yes. challenges. Here's San Francisco and, after an earthquake is basically yes, what it's, it's giving you. Yep, it's doing that. Yeah. Which those those are never to my taste. Like I think they're more interesting than than fun. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the only one I didn't play, but I read a lot about it. Yeah, it's real good. I, I mean, it, like when you get an appetite for this again, um, I mm-hmm. think that like they they do stuff in this that at like it, it feels above and beyond what the main like the main scenarios had. Like they mm-hmm. they bring a little bit more interest to the uh, to the ex- exploration choices as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that gets real cool. So the idea is um, Winterhome had a shitty, shitty captain mismanaged this town basically straight into the ground. He has been uh, has been deposed after this um, incredibly disastrous riot that destroyed most of the city. 
um, and you're taking over as a new captain um, of the city that has been built. So, okay, yay, thumbs up. Uh, you have a lot of tech, yay, thumbs up. You have a, law, a lot of laws that are passed, thumbs up. However, this is not an asset for you because everything is horribly designed. Like, something this bad does not happen by accident. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like when, um, oh gosh, somebody was about to buy Hank Hill's home, um, and King mm. of the Hill. And he's like, oh, well, we can't have that happen because Peggy was real, uh, was real hungry to have, uh, somebody, you know, buy a house from her. So what we have to do is make sure it doesn't pass inspection. So he uses his master craftsman skills to make the house look as bad as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what happens with this. Like they have understood their system to give you as just basically uh, as low of a hand as possible. You, you show up and you're like, I don't like this clown. <laughs> and they're like, they're not. It's a load bearing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like you've got all these draconian laws. They're incredibly unpopular. You have a huge population, but most of the town is these burnt out ruins um, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, are dragging people down. Um, you know, people are going to be dying left and right. So your hope is going to fall. Um, and also food and sick beds are going to be this huge bottleneck. Additionally, most of the structures that require heat are, uh, built in a very bad way, like, uh, very far out from the generator. Like everything about mm-hmm. this is done very poorly. So you're both trying to take down these ruins so you can raise morale, rebuild the city in such, you know, in a way that actually makes sense given the way heat works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also dealing with food shortages and sickbed shortages uh, so that people do not keep on dying and bottoming out your hope so you get overthrown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, yeah. that's just the start. Um, and when you scout, you find these landmarks that are going to be familiar to you from the New London campaign, uh, but they're operational. Like, there are people there. Um, and, like, mm-hmm. there are some of them more like the choices you make are permanent. Uh, like they make these differences. So like that bridge that has the automaton on it, well, you can go there and you can say, Hey, things are bad back at winter home. Uh, we're going to need you there. Um, and if you do, well, that bridge stops being operational. He stops managing it. Uh, so you can't set up, um, this, uh, oh gosh, um, outposts beyond that. Mm. Uh, so like, it yeah, limits your exploration. Well, you, you can explore beyond it, but like there are resource outposts you can build out there which you just mm. cannot have operational that of that automaton isn't there. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another one is That's like, um, like, you know, it, you don't have a need so much for engineers early on because you have a lot of people later on. You need lots of engineers. Uh, there's the weather tower that you can find in the, a new home scenario. Um, and you can go there and say like, Hey, we need engineers back home. And they say, all right, we'll go, but you're going to lose forecasts. So you yeah. have to, so you have to choose, you know, do I need these engineers for the game winning scenario at the end of this? And is it worth sacrificing the ability to know when the temperature is going to rise and fall? Yeah, that is neat. Yes. That's a cool thing. Like they're, <laughs> they're kind of like articulations of this, the, you know, do you, there are different versions of the choice of, do you, um, tear down the sawmill or make it operational? Yes. You know, do you want a short term? high gain thing or a longer term yeah slower gain yeah it feels more basic to that though Mm -hmm. like you know like i just up to that point i never considered that the forecasts were like a luxury that i had yeah yeah you know or even (laughs) where it's coming from really right right you know and apparently it's somewhere Mm -hmm. so the twist the twist that this throws at you is something that you know from the main campaign uh which is the engineers say hey the generator's acting weird let's build a scaffold around it and determine what's wrong turns out the generator has a fatal defect in it um 
and it's going to keep on malfunctioning, going offline and taking a lot of engineers to repair it um, until it breaks for good and explodes. So this opens up a new tech tree where you can like increase the efficiency of your engineers trying to bring it back up online, but there's a time limit baked into this. So the, the swerve becomes, we're not just trying to rebuild winter home. In fact, most of that effort um, was wasted. Um, at least anything that was not trying to set up our economy. So we could build up these surpluses. The goal becomes evacuation because there is a salvageable dreadnought nearby. And your first choice that you're asked to make is like, okay, what do I tell the population? Because I know that there are no other cities nearby that we can go to. Nothing that's functional. Uh, we don't know about New London yet, I guess, which is a fatal flaw, but potholes don't matter. Um, <laughs> and um, so, I, so, so do I tell them? Well, there New is London a... doesn't exist yet. Because I by know. the time New London finds this, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a generator they could go to, but. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I didn't mean to call attention to that. Uh, so you can tell them, hey, I know of a city we can go to, um, which is a lie. Um, or you can say, well, there's no place we can go. Um, and that sets up to two situations. Are you lying and doing increasingly desperate things to cover up that lie in order to preserve the evacuation? Or um, are you telling the truth and trying to convince people to leave a safety they know, however tenuous it is, for an unknown? Basically, do you want to die in a fiery explosion here or do you want to freeze to death in a land boat out there? Yeah. 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 Not super great. Yeah. Um, I noticed I read about this. If you do lie about it, people will know. Yes. The engineers <laughs> know about it because they obviously are the ones working on it. Mm -hmm. They know the So plan. they'll start blackmailing yeah. you um, specifically for um, spots on yeah, on passage on mm -hmm. spots on this dreadnought. Yeah. And the, the when I was reading about this and kind of watching some footage of it, I saw a lot of the like choices being about prioritizing who you take, you know, who gets the lifeboats on the Titanic pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is pretty neat. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, and it's not just like blackmail. Like, if you're setting up the evacuation, people might say, um, yeah, well, we, you know, I want my kids to go. Or, like, all the injured people should go. Things like mm -hmm. that. You have to make those choices. And then people rightfully will say, hey, we're waiting in line out here. Why are you giving priority to these people who might not have earned it? Right. Mm -hmm. So it comes down to like it's another resource that you're trying to manage as you are additionally piling resources into this and ultimately tearing your city down to get enough resources uh, to outfit this dreadnought in a way that it is livable. Like you can send a bunch of people to it, but if there's not enough food or if there's not enough um, like livable space in it, then it'll be overcrowded and people will die. Mm. additionally mm -hmm. as the uh generator becomes more you know less and less functional um people will start saying well fuck this the dreadnought's out there why am i waiting for the captain to you know to send us in this convoy let's just go like walk to it yeah and yeah. you like you end up you know if you have the peacekeepers of the guards you can violently put these people down stop their evacuation on their own mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so it's pretty dramatic and it requires a ton of resources. Like this is the one scenario where steel was my biggest bottleneck. Like usually that was just, you either have enough or you don't. Mm -hmm. um, steel like notably is just this resource where there's only one place to get it outside of the piles that you find in the initial one. It's not like you can, it's not like with wood where you can set up wall drills and sawmills. Nope. Steel is just these mines and you only have a couple of spots for them. So there's mm. not as much flexibility. So, you know, my scenario for this ended with me sending away basically a half full dreadnought as the uh, generator exploded. Yeah. And uh, they all die in the snow. Yes. 
yeah, there, there, there's no chance they can survive. Yeah, bummer. Yep. Meaty for a DLC, though. Mm -hmm. It's like, really it, good. It's, it's, yeah, so the way they would have to kind of do it, I guess, if you're going to do this as a DLC, mm -hmm. you know, it couldn't just be like, what if there was no steel? Yeah. You know, it has to be this kind <laughs> of like more narratively focused, more kind of robust yeah. mode. Um, yeah, let's talk briefly about endless mode. I also just I watched a little bit of this, but I didn't really play it because I'm not not an endless mode dude. Yeah, so I've I've done this. Um, I, I you have to take several runs at it because it's really really tough. Like your mm -hmm. first five days are paramount to whether or not you're going to survive. So they added this after the fact. Their initial plan was just to have these story modes, you know, that ended after a certain amount of play admirable decision but they recognized that they had like pretty good systems in terms of making a city builder so i think they added this um afterwards to give people what they wanted there's no set story for this and there's no time limit like there's no apocalyptic event that's going to come or you know post post apocalyptic event that's going to come um the temperatures just kind of get worse and worse and you're asked to survive there are two flavors of it endurance and serenity serenity is really low stakes like they say this is for builders this is just like if you want to build a cool city uh mm -hmm. you can still die like you know the the weather is inclement but um you have just kind of better access to resources you have more workers the temperatures are more, are more mild and the storms are less frequent and shorter. The mm -hmm. real meat for this for me was endurance mode where all of that stuff is reversed, uh, where you just have like after, after 14 days, you have a blizzard that lasts for several days. If you're not ready for it, you're going to have so many sick people on the other side of it that you're fucked. You can never stand yeah. back up. So you, yeah, you just have to know what you're you're preparing for again. Yes. And it tells you right away, like, hey, Blizzard coming in this many days, get ready. Mm -hmm. um, additionally, something that makes this really hard is you don't really have um, a regular drip of citizens. Like, they don't just come to you or you don't have, like, a real surplus at the beginning. It's really, really hard to get going, uh, especially because coal runs out really fast. You have to, like, manage your heat zones. Like, if you set up too many steam hubs, uh, you're done because your consumption rate gets too high. Uh, scouting is really different in this too, because between each, uh, blizzard, uh, the landmarks are reset. Mm. So, um, you know, you want to explore as much as you can. You're going to find survivors. They're just not going to be as common. Right. Yeah. And I imagine, do you lose your scouting parties if they're out during a blizzard? Yeah. So you have to call them back. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, um, the story yeah. content that's different about this is you do find artifacts from the old world, which I get the sense that these are like concept art more than anything that have little stories mm -hmm. attached to them. This is where you find out about one of the possible causes being this super weapon called the Saffron Cloud. It's again, it's not certain. There's a little bit of uh, um, a conspiracy theory angle about this where the government of Britain was like, hey, anybody who's talking about this anthropenic sulfur, um, you know, a.k.a. the Saffron Cloud. Like they're just spreading misinformation and derailing the rescue effort. So put them down. Mm. Right. So it's probably about as valid as any of the other theories, but like that is, you know, one of the hardest answers to get. So it seems like it's the most true. Who knows if it is. And mm -hmm. it doesn't matter because people are fucked anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the way that you set these up when you find these, uh, these little, things out when you're exploring these little items is to set them up in an archives. Yes. So they're kind of like little trophies, but the idea again is that kind of preservation of the old world. Yes. Kind of thing. Um, I'm glad this is included just as like a toy thing, mm -hmm. you know, for it, like a way to keep playing. It's good. For sure. I felt really good once I survived my first couple storms, like mm -hmm. uh, on my main game, like the, my, my most recent one where I fit like 75 days, I think uh, maybe it's a little bit less than that. 
Um, I like it was, you know, really satisfying to know like, yeah, there it is. Uh, but like, I don't know that <laughs> I, I think I feel like my economy is so good that I don't know if there's anything that, that can knock me down. I kind of want to see how this is going to fail because I am in a really yeah. good off spot. I was whenever I see an endless mode thing for this kind of stuff, I always wonder like what the longest one is like if it's possible to be perpetual yeah yeah you know i mean i think they control for that just by making the temperature drop lower and lower i think my highest my highest temperature right now is like negative 96 or something mm-hmm. yeah well because they um they do at uh what is it because your tech trees are limited like your generator has five levels which we mm-hmm. talked about but it doesn't have six right right you know at a certain point that's as hot as it gets mm-hmm. so Don't know. And that's frostpunk yeah that is Frostpunk. Gary, I fucking love this game. Like in terms Super of good. in terms of like WAF successes that are something I had no idea was for me, but turns out to be absolutely for me. Like this is up there with King of Dragon Pass for me. It's super good. Yeah. It's it's like super, super good. I think I'm not even cooler on it. I think I just have a different relationship with these type of games than you do. Like yeah, I don't no. I don't play perpetual games like kind of period. Mm-hmm. Um Isaac. and I just you Isaac. know, I just wanna like I, I wanna have an ending. Was that? Isaac. <laughs> oh, Isaac! Like, your subtle whisper is too subtle. The, um, the, uh, in general, even that though, I, I like they, they released some new content. I played it, but I go long periods of time without playing Isaac. Gotcha. I just podcast about it instead. <laughs> in yeah. general, I guess I have space in my life for one perpetual game. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I just uh, you know, so I don't know what my total hour limit is on this because I got it through GOG, not through Steam. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't do GOG Galaxy because I'm not a cop. Um, but the, yeah, yeah, nice try, Gog. I'm gonna download Gog Galaxy. Okay, um, but I don't know what my total hour amount was, but probably you know six and six, probably like twenty hours mm-hmm. or so. And I feel really good about it. Like yeah. I'm like, man, I, I get what that's about. I had a really unique, singular experience. I really loved it. I am curious about um, so Noah Calderol Gervais, who is my my favorite YouTube critic, um, did a, a video on this genre. Because it's rarer than than it seems. Yeah. Um, and he talked about surviving Mars and another one. Yeah. Um, that uh, is similar to this. They're kind of predecessors to this. I didn't realize this had spiritual predecessors. Yeah. Um, because those differences we talked about are very unique. Like there are tons of city builders, but mm-hmm. without the survival element, yeah. you know, that's that's new. Surviving Mars is very good. Yeah, it made me kind of curious about that. Like I kind of was like, oh, maybe I'll play Surviving Mars actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think it will have these narrative curves, but also like. It, you know, it, it has like, has richer systems to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's interesting to me. Like I do like these kind of sims. Yep. And this kind of uh slow strategic turn based kind of deal. It also made me like extremely like hungry to do a, a replay of StarCraft two. No. And I, the only reason why I don't is because of uh doing it for the show at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that'd be a really good way to like handle this ultra polished and really varied and awesome RTS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I put 50 hours into this because I got it on Steam. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. That's, like, I just, yeah. and I still want more. I think that even beyond the regular story stuff, the the, the actual mechanics are um, incredibly sound. Um, mm-hmm. This is a really just well put together version of this kind of game. Like, you know, even if you strip away, like the stuff that is special about your first go at it. Um, and For sure, it's, even with that stuff, it's still my favorite. Like that, the, the special first go stuff is the stuff that makes this trounce like prison, prison architect to me. Yes. Yeah. You know, which is a game I like, but I don't, you know, I never fell in deep with it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is good. Yeah. Um, but even, I agree with you. Like even at its base, this is a great version of that thing. Yes. For sure. 
Yeah, I love it. And, you know, I mentioned it back in the generalities, but you just tremendous integration of play and theme. You know, it makes you feel the desperation as you're watching your resources dwindle down as you realize there are just more things that you have to take care of than you than, than, than you realized. Um, it, you know, it does a good job of letting you feel the, the, the stakes of this. Um, it makes you feel cold as hell. Like I was going to just... say, it made me feel cold too, which is pretty <laughs> rad. Yeah. Like it's pretty cool. Like it's just like you know, I played this with a, a blanket. Yeah, well, it's you good know, that we're playing this during winter too. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. It's great. But I yeah. love this. I'm really happy. Really happy yeah. we uh, we took the plunge on it. Super good game. Yeah. Yeah. Fits the theme perfectly. Like fits the theme. You know. Uh, like I don't know if it's probably better than anything else we're doing this month. Like papers, please fits it very well mm-hmm. but it's kind of has a little bit more messaging like it's much more of an art game yeah, yeah. um and it does make you feel desperation but it's a very different kind of like desperation it's more like making you feel um the sense of like moral compromise yeah and this yeah. does that with the threat of desperation over you a little bit stronger like papers please has that whole element with managing your family but that is kind of backseated yeah yeah you know and soccer which it which i dearly love is um about the mood of desperation more than making you feel it mechanically. Like yeah. it is hard and you do have to eat and drink and stuff like that, but it's not about it as much. Yeah. I'm about yeah. six hours into stalker or something like that. And I've already surpassed the curve where I've, mm-hmm. I have become a living God, I think. Yeah. Yep. You get, and the ending of it does some kind of misguided stuff with trying to readjust those lovers. Yeah. I think the ending of that game is too harsh. Yeah. Um, and, and in a kind of annoying way, but the uh, the beginning of it, when you're in that desperation section, it is really, really wonderful. And then yeah. the midsection, it just becomes a cool shooter with an awesome setting. Oh, like with great horror stuff. Like you're going into yeah. labs and, you know, yep. fighting anomalies. Super good, yep. yep. Super good spooky, super good shooter, super mm-hmm. good atmosphere, yeah. but becomes not about desperation at some point. Yeah. Frostpunk is, even when you think you are, it has that kind of desperation where like, I thought I was desperate when I first started playing it, but I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know you things know? could get so much worse. Yep, it has that, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, good game. Yeah. Good-ass game. God, I love it. Um, If you uh, are listening to this on the main feed, you have just a little bit of time left mm-hmm. to uh, let us know if you have thoughts about Papers, Please, Frostpunk, or Stalker. Yes. Shadows, are Shadows of Chernobyl. Hit us up at duckfeed.tv slash contact. Yep. The deadline is the 15th of every month for that month's games to be featured, uh, possibly, in the Dispatch episode. Same thing mm-hmm. for April. So April 15th is, is the deadline to talk about Spec Ops The Line, Halo 3 ODST, and Resident Evil 2 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if in April, if you happen to be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or nearby. see us the weekend of the 12th, or nearby, yeah, hmm. drive a little bit. Um, come see us, uh, you know, face the snow possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was a real frost punk scenario last year. Hopefully this year <laughs> it will, it will be a surviving Mars scenario. Yeah. Um, head on out to the Midwest gaming classic, uh, the weekend of April 12th and, uh, come watch us panel. Come say hi to us at a table and come hang out with us. It'll be a good time. I always like, um, meeting and talking with you all. Yeah. Milwaukee's fun. Yeah. Like that is, a, that is a turned from a convention that I had, you know, after the first time I did it, I was like, Oh, this is good. But like, you know, it was mostly funny and weird mm-hmm. to uh, to being a pretty fun time. Yeah. So, yeah, I like Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, come check it out. Yep. And then, uh, most of all, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Um, mm-hmm. Next episode is our premium episode for the month, our episode on Stalker. So the if you're listening to this on the public feed, um, you will get the generalities of that uh, episode. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if you want to hear the whole episode with the play-by-play, uh, hit us up at Patreon. 
Yes. For $5 a month, you get one of those a month, plus Bonfire Side Chat, plus Abject Suffering, plus a bunch of other stuff. Yes. Extra Abject Sufferings. Um, and it's March. Like, Sekiro's coming out. So, yeah. yeah, get on that. Yeah. If you are a Bonfire Side Chat or Souls person, like, that is the place we're covering Sekiro. Mm-hmm. So hit that up. Yeah. Uh, yeah Otherwise, sorry about it. ratings, reviews, and come back next time. Super happy yeah. to have you. Um, and if you listen to this, uh, you probably have already played Frostpunk if you heeded the warning. Um, if you haven't, you know, you know the twists. That's a bummer. Yeah. But like, still it's, worth playing, it's still a really still, good game. Yeah, it's still worth seeing, even knowing the twists. Like, it's best without knowing them. But mm-hmm. even if you know that, like, okay, I have to prepare for a storm, you won't really know how to. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, uh, actually, storehouses. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> build those. Uh, build even those. if you don't think you need them, you can repurpose them. So, like, yeah. you know. Yeah. So. You need them. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Until next time, what should they watch out for? Uh, they should watch out for me because I'm going to go snuggle my cat. Yeah. Yeah. Watch this. It's, yes. If you're Greta. Watch yeah. Out. Yeah. If, if you're Greta, watch out. I'm going to scratch you between the ears. Um, otherwise, yeah. though, um, watch out for that thermometer. It's mm-hmm. always winter somewhere. couple times now you know the indignity of when they put the thermometer on the cat's butt then you have to like they, just make they, they take her out contact. of the room they they, they, oh, t- they do yeah they they, they took they her out of the just room do for girl cats or 